All right, we are live. It is Friday night. This is Orion Rising. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. Share this out, share this out, share this out. There I am on, in the in the chat for those of you who can see me in the MP4 file. You can see that I have somebody in here with me today besides just me on a Friday night, right? And um, this is a, a friend of mine who uh, I met not too long ago, but we've gotten along stellarly and we've uh, swapped a bunch of stories. And I said, hey, I don't really have a topic for Friday. Why don't you come on and we can hang out and talk about this that we've been talking about and share it with you guys out there, right? Allison, welcome. Denise, welcome. Share this out, share this out. It's Friday night. We're not doing the Love One anymore. We're not doing the alien interview anymore. Tonight, we're going to be talking about helping people help themselves. And Robbie actually inspired the name of the of the show because we were talking and she said uh, that she has been uh, inspired through life and doing things her whole life with, with uh, her abilities, including card reads and palm reads and this kind of stuff. But she really wanted to help people help themselves. So she prayed on that and put it out to the universe. And um, now she's doing that just like me, just like you guys, just like everybody else. We're all in, and she's doing it on a psychic level, just like I'm doing. So we and I got to talking and I said, hey, oh, and then she dropped. <laughs> She'll be back in a second. I don't know what happened there. It happened a, 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 a couple of times. She was, I, I think when her phone, somebody calls or something, it drops. So we'll find out when, when she gets back. So. <clears throat> So, so we kind of, I, she kind of inspired me to, uh, to name this that. So it was, you know, because that's what we're all kind of doing anyways. Right. Miguel, welcome, my friend. So yeah, like I said, share this out, share this out. Oh, we already have a troll in here trying to troll us. You guys, you do this quite often, right? So you're gone. Bye-bye. Got rid of that guy. Quick like. There's always one in every episode that shows up, and they're always the, that that person trying to give us the the uh, the same stuff. I know Rob, Robbie. She's gone. She'll be back in a second. Um, I'm not sure what happened there, but she uh, she dropped. <laughs> right. So she'll she'll be back on. I hope. Uh, we'll I'll find out what's going on with her. Right. And um, oh, there she comes. She's coming back now. Well, she came back and then dropped. So she's trying to get back in. Something's going on with her phone. Not quite sure why. And then I have people texting me about the show. So, yeah, she's back now. Hold on a second, guys. Let me grab her up here. She she dropped for, for a minute. So, but, so getting back to that, so she had said she wanted to help people, uh, you know, to help themselves, and that's what she's doing now. Uh, so I was sitting there today thinking, what should I name the show? And then I thought, that's a good, that's perfect right there because that's what that's what I do anyways, and that's what she's doing, and that's what we we do on here on and on Skull Island, right? So, uh, so I brought her on so that we can talk about all the stuff and then take questions from you guys and kill the trolls. I already killed one, right? <laughs> and he usually comes back in a different with a different name, but they always try to put the same porn thing in there. Uh, and I think that they're doing that because uh, they're trying to set us up by posting that in there. And if I don't uh, delete him fast enough, I'll get reported that I have porn to YouTube, and then they'll go look for it, and then they'll then they'll delete me. So I. Pretty sure wow. that's what's happening there is that I'm being uh, somebody's trying to because they did it to us in Skull Island. And I found that they were like with Dan Bongino. They did the same thing with him. Uh, he's way bigger than I am, but they did the same thing. And he said they started trolling him. And then he got reported uh, for something that he didn't even post that someone else posted. And they went after him. And I've, and I've heard that from a, a few other people where they said, I didn't even do anything. And someone posted something in my video. So they're going onto your channel posting something on in your comments after you've already posted the show live and then they're going and reporting you 
and then uh, YouTube's your algorithm feeds through that and finds the post and assumes that was you because it's not a human looking for it, and then it marks you for deletion. Um, and that's how they're getting rid of people illegally, uh, but legally because they're pretending that, well, that's not us. So we're not mm-hmm. spending time going after them, but it is. There's somebody whose job is to troll uh, people and say things so that they can report it and then they can delete us. Right. Mm-hmm. I got deleted for bullying from a video. The, the video got deleted and I got put in jail. They said I was bullying someone. And the video was me talking about the different companies who made the jibber jabber and what their chemicals they claimed were in their own stuff. I was comparing them and I got deleted for that. It wasn't even my, I wasn't even saying anything. I was reading their, their information from their website. I did the same thing a year earlier. They got me for the hydroxy when I was talking about that versus the jibber jabber. And I was reading chemical composition. Remember I'm a chemist as well as mm-hmm. a physicist. So I'm reading the chemical composition and the makeup of each, of each drug from each company and what that drug does in the brain and what it does in the body and what it what it does and they were identical so if the jibber jabber worked from j and j then then the hydroxy also worked bam i got deleted as soon as i said that (laughs) but it was true i wasn't making anything up i was reading the claim by the pharmaceutical company on their website of what the thing did and I was just telling right. people, this is what it says it does and what part of the immune system and how it affects that immune system and what that creates in the body. And then I said, here, let's look at the shot. And I read that. That's weird. It's the same chemical composition. It does the same thing. Mm-hmm. Bam. I was labeled a conspiracy theorist and there was disclaimers. There still are disclaimers on me saying, be careful. The things that this man says is a lie. And it's actually me reading the truth verbatim word for word right showing showing it on the screen as well so you can see the website you can see everything i didn't make any of it up i did that with Mm -hmm. several things you know but just like joe rogan said look what they're doing to him right right he says says the censorship is something that's kind of scary because um something that 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 we could have said two years ago is is you know it was then considered uh, politically incorrect. And some of it we said two years ago is now considered politically incorrect. So they're going back and they're finding stuff that we, that we posted from t- a year or two ago. And, you know, but now it's, it's common knowledge. So everything that I got deleted for in the last two and a half years that I was talking about with this pandemic, everything is now actual fact and being investigated by the federal government of the United States and foreign governments around the world. So w- when I claimed back in in uh, 2019 in february and march especially of 2019 that the rate of people dying from covid was only one percent and that they were lying about it and the reason they were lying about it was because they're getting payoffs everyone said that i that I, i they wanted to delete me for that they said that i was lying and i made that up even though i had a video from a nurse who was wearing glasses that had a camera and a microphone on them. And she was at work talking to her coworkers and doctors while everybody in the hospital was dying from COVID. And the doctor said to her, no one in this building is getting out of here alive except for the workers because they were getting paid. And we found out since then, they said, no, they lied about that. And then local news out here, I prodded them to ask the government and they put it on television. And I recorded that and I put it up on the internet. 
they asked the government if they were getting paid, people get paid for that and they broke it down for them. So by the time they were done, they were getting paid. And this is the part. And I, now I know why they did this, but they were getting paid more than one hundred and sixty thousand dollars per patient from mm-hmm. the time they walk in the door and they list them as covid intubate them, put them on uh, specific drugs uh, for for covid. Uh, and then when they die, have it listed on their uh, death certificate as covid. And then this is the part that they didn't tell anybody and that I was unaware of until just recently, until an insider told me. And then they sell your body parts and they make $1.6 million off of your body parts. Mm -hmm. So they make $1.6 million plus another 160,000. So 1.75 or 1.76, $1,760,000 per patient for the hospital that they would gain and they would sell off their organs because they knew that there was no real virus and no threat to anybody that the organ went into. And they made sure that you were a donor and that you signed a pre, a, 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 a non-resuscitation. And then they would harvest you and sell you off. And they were, they were 600. Let's say that there were 600,000 people who died from it. We know that it's almost 900,000 now, but think about that. One million seven hundred fifty thousand or seven hundred sixty thousand dollars per person, times ninety thousand just in America. Not to mention how much it costs for the shots, for the pills, the drugs, the pharmaceutical company double and triple dipping, making all kinds of money. And I'll probably get kicked off the air for what I'm saying now, right? So let's there's human grocery, today, human right? grocery store, human grocery store, like the Guns and Roses version that song, <laughs> or human grocery store. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No joke. No joke. So mm-hmm. that's the stuff that they don't still want to have out there in the public. That'll come, that'll come out. It's starting to come out. If mm-hmm. I know about it, it's starting to come out. So everything has been really scary, guys. We all know that. It's been scary because they've been selling fear to all of us 24-7. We literally have almost all of Europe now is open as of the first. The, the pandemic is now an endemic all mandates, all uh, vaccines go away, all masks go away, no mandates. They're free, just like they were four years ago. Okay, mm-hmm. they've gone back to that in the rest of the world. Like the UFO alien saga, the rest of the world has told their people that UFOs exist and the, and the United States government has doubled down on that's a lie. They're doing the same thing with the pandemic now. But not everywhere because there's more than 28 states that are free states right now. So you only have... You know, another, what is that? Another uh, 22 or whatever that is that makes yeah. up 50. I'm doing the math in my head. Right? <laughs> that, is, that is completely locked down. And even them are not all because the cities and the counties that are not being run by the progressives, even in a state like here in the, in, in, I'm in Sacramento County, the sheriff in Sacramento County said he was not going to arrest anybody or, or uh, do anything about the mandates that the governor was demanding. Nope, not going to do it. We're not kicking indoors. We're not checking people's licenses. We're not going to go stand in bars and restaurants and make sure that everybody's got a vaccine card and a mask on. Not doing it. Right. And they put mm-hmm. a curfew on us. And then, then they all, all the sheriff's departments across the whole California said, we are not enforcing that curfew. Mm-hmm. Do you see everybody? So That's right. my, point, my point is, and this is where we're going with this. I know I'm going on. I usually do for 15 or 20 minutes in the beginning to get the crowd up, right? Show this out, show this out, show this out. Let me get that please share banner stopping from rolling across the bottom of the screen there. And Robbie so graciously came in here because we want to focus now that I've scared you with all the scary, scary, mean, mean, weird, oh my God stuff that the government's doing to us. 
we're we're going to talk about uh, the the other side of that. Okay, so I have to remind people. Not that I have to remind people. It's going on. We're living it. But uh, you know, to bring it up just in case somebody's been under a rock and they just went, wait a minute, what? There's what going on? What is he talking about? <laughs> right? Just in mm-hmm. case you're somewhere where you're unaware that there's been a global uh, pandemic, and I do say that right when I say it, pandemic. Right now, it's a flu demic. It's it's a cold demic now. It's an endemic. So th- we have been trying to say the entire time, I have at least, to not be afraid because this is all lies. This mm-hmm. is over. They know it's over. And now it's up to us, I think, be, to help ourselves. Nobody's coming to, to help us. That's not the plan. That's not how it works. Right? You had your right of passage. Your right of passage as a human to become a human, to be being human is that you have to do this yourself. I can help you and give you the tools. And that's what we're, what's what we mean by when we say we're helping people to help themselves. Am I right? Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, because we know, we understand that I can tell you a thing, but I can't make you believe that thing. So I could say the sky mm-hmm. is blue. And if you don't look at the sky, you, and you say, no, it's not, I've been told it's black. You know, well, okay, at nighttime, it's kind of dark, but it's blue right now because of the reflection of the sun on our, you know, we don't need to go into the details of that, but that's why it's blue. And so, mm-hmm. nope, nope, it's not blue. Well, you know, that's like people who say the earth is flat, right? They can't tell because they're not looking at it. They don't go up in space and look down to see if it's round. They just sit down here and go, it's flat because there is a theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah. So we can give you tools and that's what we've been working towards and continue working towards. Right. Oh, now I don't have the chat. Mm-hmm. Up. I'm sorry, guys. You guys are talking to me in the chat and I'm still sitting over on the other stuff over there. Uh, oh, uh, Melissa says, what's up with your eyes? Um, I burst a blood vessel in my in my right eye. It's this eye. <laughs> yeah. In my right eye. Uh, in my sleep. Uh, uh, and it's it's actually pretty nasty. That is. So, yeah, if you're looking, you'll see like just nasty red. Like, let me see if I can show you here. All right. Oh, dang. Um, I was sleeping Tuesday night, early, early Tuesday morning. And the entire night I was dreaming um, about um, fighting uh, uh, for the souls of the human race. Not that I'm not doing that all day long anyways, but I was dreaming about it. And there was one moment that was pretty stressful and I actually felt my body tense up. And I knew that that was, it was a very stressful portion of my dream. And I woke up, but I didn't immediately get up and, and go and because I didn't feel it in my eye. When I got up in the morning, uh, I walked into the bathroom and looked at myself and went, oh, whoa, wow, burst a blood vessel in my eye while I was sleeping. So, yeah, so now, you know, when you do that, if you've ever had that happen, if you, if sometimes yeah, it's a month ago, and, and then it just kind of goes away, but other times it happens and the blood in there kind of oozes around <laughs> as it starts to, yes. so, you, so it gets bigger and then it gets, you know, less uh, dark and then it just goes away but it usually takes about a month for it to go away all the way mm-hmm. right? i had it happen a couple of weeks ago well maybe a month ago it took a couple of weeks to go away same thing in my sleep <laughs> yep. so and you know this because some of you guys don't realize this and i and i used to say this a lot when i was younger um and i and i still ask people this question every now and then i'll say do do you ever notice that when you go to sleep sometimes you feel like you're not actually in your body anymore that you're in another place and that there's stuff going on. And then there's one place that I've gone to reoccurringly where when I went there, I was with other people and we were standing at literally in this darkness around us, but we had land 
and the dark energies were opposing us like armies. And we were literally, it was like sword and sorcery. We were fighting with our minds and our hearts and magic and all of this. And then I was told that that's true, that that happens. And in that place where it happens, one person who is in uh, service to others stands up in front and all the other people stay behind and focus energy on that one person. And that one person stands up in front and all of the darkness rushes at them. And that one person greets the darkness with the love and the light of the one true creator. And it holds back all of the darkness by themselves until both expend all of their energy and collapse. And when that happens, they rush up, grab our, our guy on our side, pull him back and start healing him. And one more person stands and waits for them to come again. I've had a similar situation where I've done that in um, clearings and I can um, do the remote hopping. I've done that with a few people and um, was able to tell what's going on in that room that's physically in another country. I was able to do that. Um, I haven't done it quite some time, but I have done that to help clear like some negative energies. And we use the light. We use the light and like, you know, invited them to the light. And it actually worked every time. And it always, um, we had more than one person and we focused on, you know, and uh, had sort of a sword of light sometimes to use as a, you know, and real similar to what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to have to get you into my spiritual groups because we do that there. We actually, and so if you're already doing this stuff and have done this stuff, um, Mm -hmm. we have a place where we're, we're teaching people their abilities. And in the meantime, we're also helping uh, people. So I get people like uh, ghost hunters will have friends or they meet someone and they'll say, Mm -hmm. I kind of got this poltergeist and, or I have something going on and they'll refer them to me because I have, that's what I, one of the things that I do, I have that reputation is the same thing. I can remote Mm -hmm. view. I can be here. I can go to a person's house. I can clear their house uh, without even ever knowing where they live or who they are just by honing in on their energy and going straight there. Uh, and yes. clear the house out and don't have to actually fly out or drive mm-hmm. out to a person's house to do it. Uh, and, uh, and other things we've done w- as well. So I, so yeah, I, I'm gonna have to get you in my groups. I don't know why I didn't think about that the other day uh, because you know, we do readings there. We, and you can do anything you want in there as well. So if you wanted to practice, say you hadn't done that for a while with remote viewing, you could say, Hey, I'll go in there and see if anybody needs some sort of remote view done. Right. Um, we did that for, we talked about that, where we did that for the police department, a few different police departments around the world. In the last four or five years, we've done many uh, in, in those groups. So the, so the people that are there, uh, sometimes they get burnt out because we, we have uh, in those groups, it's the place where everyone comes when they're brand new. So you, we have a lot of that. And that kind of gets icky sometimes for everyone if you're dealing with a bunch of people that are really low leveled all the time. So it takes kind of some strength from mm-hmm. people to be able to deal with them, but still keep themselves lifted up uh, to those places. So and that takes So once what happens usually is when we get somebody's abilities to where they just start working, they run away from the group because they, because it's so negative with these people coming in. And am I supposed to be with that guy? Is he going to love me? And they've asked like 35 different groups the same question. And you find mm-hmm. those people that you notice right. or, you know, or someone says, you know, I'm in four of the groups and that lady was in there yesterday and then the day before that and the day before that. And they ask every psychic the same question until they get the answer they want. Right. I know. Um, and a lot of them that are in the ghost hunter uh, groups, a lot of those 
Um, it's the thrill of finding the ghost, but or the spirit, but they're not trying to do anything to send right. it to the light. Right. And I don't, I don't like yeah. that. I'm like, what, what's the point? Right. I agree with that. That's see, that's the stuff when you know that they're out for ratings. That's all. Right. Because they're not trying to do anything. They just want to catch something on camera so they can get the ratings. I agree with that. It drove me nuts for years because they wouldn't take a psychic with them. And now the really good ones all have a psychic with them. Yeah. But yeah, it was like, what are they, you know, they need to take them to the light. Because a lot of times it's just a a spirit that is nasty because they are full of unforgiveness and fear and hatred and things that they need to let go so they can go on to the light. Yeah. You know? That's the way I look at it. And a lot of times yeah. it is that. And it's also like the poltergeists, you know, like mm -hmm. the what was behind that. Behind that was one nefarious energy that was collecting mm -hmm. uh, souls mm -hmm. that were disembodied, that were confused yeah. and didn't know where the light mm -hmm. was. They weren't necessarily right. bad. He was but, oh, I keeping know. them. Yeah. Many of them aren't bad. It just, they appear to be bad in, in a house where they're haunting sometimes because they're, they're full of fear and yeah. pain. Yeah. And they're lost. And sometimes it's like you pull it out and it's just a little boy. It's not right. a big monster. Right. You know? But they were afraid and didn't know. And that was the, that was what they're yes. manifesting was those negative energies that come along yes. with the fear yes. and the, and the confusion. Yeah. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yes, yeah, like I've Melissa done said, she says in the chat, she said they're frustrated. Yes. Well, they are because mm -hmm. they don't know where they are. Uh, they're lost. They don't know they're dead most of the time. And then even if mm -hmm. they recognize they're dead, they don't know what they're supposed to do. They're like, isn't something supposed to happen? Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then, then that, then we have to, uh, uh, help them, uh, to, to move on. Moreover, uh, I was told about 25 years ago, maybe a little bit longer than that now, uh, maybe 30 years ago, um, somewhere close to that, but I, I was going to a shop uh, of a buddy of mine that owned a shop over in the San Francisco Bay area. Um, he called it a fairy tale and he wrote a book called a fairy tale. And that was when uh, he uh, made contact with the, with the fairy kin, the fairy folk thought he was losing his mind and was scared to death because there were these things in the air floating around him and talking to him. And, and he mm -hmm. thought he had gone nuts, thought he went crazy. So for a long time, for like a year, he was afraid of them. And then finally he said, all right, what do you want? And then, and then he realized that they weren't bad and that they were fairies. And so he had a shop and I went in there and he said um, of myself and a few other people, my wife at the time uh, uh, as well, that um, told us, told me then about this time in the future when we, there was going to be this mass awakening. The problem is as we're expanding our realm of control through the vibrations we're smashing out the other areas that were made that were there on the fringes the area where all these ghosts would reside that is on the other side of the veil but still in this octave is getting smaller because we're expanding through that consciousness and we mm -hmm. have to push them through because if our energy pushes them through without us gently nudging them that's more traumatic on them when we shove them through Right. Yes. So yes. so there's those of us like Robbie, myself and, pro and some of you out there listening who can sense in some way. And, and the, that is completely you know personal to each person, what level of how you sense them, whether you actually see them, whether you hear them or only smell them or whatever it is that you do. If you have those abilities, please don't ignore them because it's imperative that we help them to help themselves. Not just mm -hmm. help the right. humans here to help themselves. We have to help mm -hmm. all spirits on all level as yes. we're moving through this vibration. 
And as we're going to be popping through the fourth into the fifth, we have to help them get there so that it's not so traumatic on them, right? Yes, indeed. And I will say that it is um, pretty amazing for people that are just now finding their gifts that they can actually reach out for help. Whenever I was young, I didn't have anyone to help me. There was, right. I didn't even know what books to look for. You know, it was like all self-discovery and people thinking I was crazy if I mentioned things. And, you know, even I thought myself sometimes second guessing myself. Um, but when you're born with it and, and we were born in an era that it wasn't so acceptable and you didn't have anyone to ask questions or to help you. But we, there are many of us now that can help people to help themselves and to understand right. their gifts. And uh, of course, you know, sometimes they have to identify their own self and uh, say in their personalized way of their gift. But we can nudge them in the right directions in their inner self to find and accept that inner core person they are inside their soul and to see exactly what their gifts are. Right. Didn't say that right. But you know what I mean? No, no, that, no we, we, I understood what you said. I hope they did too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Allison, she said, Allison says, I have it up on the screen, but I'm going to read it for those people who are listening on the MP3 broadcast of this, which is the majority of my listeners. They're not watching the MP4 file. She said, um, I experienced deja vu a lot. I noticed when I started doing that, uh, and then I, then I actually uh, was told, but I noticed that I felt like uh, whenever I had a deja vu and a lot of them, I felt like my life was in the right in the right place. I was going down the right path and that this mm -hmm. was where I was supposed to be going and I was catching glimpses. And then I was then I was informed that when you are experiencing and I know this to be true now, when you're experiencing the deja vus at any level that you're at, that's when you're at a plateau. You're at a level where you're about to make a breakthrough. And as they become more and more apparent to you. Uh, instead of like you get one or two and then you make a breakthrough, you start getting four, five, ten. Then pretty soon, like everything seems to be a deja vu. That's because if you reach that place in your existence where you don't know, I constantly say I do speak to a lot of people. So sometimes I am repeating myself, but I'm constantly saying to someone, did I did, have we talked about this before? Because in my mind, I have a memory of it, but I'm not quite sure if it happened in the future or if it happened in the past. So right. now I'm in the present and it's happening. So uh, so a lot of times it's a deja vu. So I have to go ahead with a conversation, even though I know exactly what's going to be said on both sides. When you start reaching that level, that's when you're about to transition to the next octave from third to fourth or from fourth to fifth or third through fourth and to, you know, to fifth. So and I, and I got that from Daniel, uh, Daniel of Doria. And you can look up his books, Daniel of Doria. He's got like four books out. He's the most banned person on the internet. And, um, and I understand why, because he, I met him five years ago, five years ago. And he was already to, to perceive at that point, he could perceive the past, the present and the future all as one already. That's how awake he was. Mm -hmm. And then I didn't talk to him for about a year. And, and, and I was, uh, you know, growing my beard long at that time, like I did where I just cut off about six inches now since uh, Christmas, but I'm letting it be fuller before it was very long and pointed like uh, Gandalf and now it's fuller and I'm going to let it get longer again. Um, but, but I, but I had to take that part off. I kept getting it caught in my seatbelt strap and everything. <laughs> right. So he, but he, he had, when he saw me the second time because of my transformation that I had gone through, as soon as he took a look at me on camera and saw me, he said to me, first thing he said is he said, you're a Jedi Knight, aren't you? And I mm -hmm. said, yeah, I am. 
I said, he said, I can tell you have the Jedi beard. You have the look. And I said, you know, I didn't really think about that, but you're right. I have that, that beard that most of the Jedi's and most of the exotic Jedi, non-human Jedi's, they have the longer beards uh, in the, in the whole trilogy. And I started laughing. I said, yeah, I am. I'm actually listed as a, as, as a Jedi Knight in, in New Zealand, in the Jedi council. And he looked at me and he said, but you've gone from Gandalf the gray to Gandalf the white since I spoke to you last. And I was like, you know, I was going to mention to you that I feel like I've made some major breakthroughs. And he just smiled at me. He says, you don't have to tell me that. I can see it when I look at you. He says, you're, you're progressing very well. And for me, even though he's younger than me, he's like in his 30s. He's older than me, and I know he is, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. So physically, mm -hmm. in this lifetime, he's younger than me, but his spirit is much older than mine and much wiser. And yes, I'm much more awake, right? So, so mm -hmm. I just, I was like, you know, I felt like a little Padawan learner, you know, and I was like, thank you, Sensei, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But so when you get those deja vus, I know I went on long. When you get those deja vus, it, I found, for me anyways, I can't claim that it is for everybody, but Daniel kind of said, that's when you're have the most opposition. That's when you're about to push through something. So you're having the deja vus, but your life isn't, doesn't seem like it's working right. And I'm not moving and something that's when you're about to, you're at the plateau. Where you're about to push through. That's where it's the hardest is to break mm -hmm. through. It's like when you're losing weight and you get that plateau and you can't lose any weight, no mm -hmm. matter what you do. And then all of a sudden you drop 10 pounds. It's because that's the same thing. It, the, everything works on an octave, on a, on a magical mystery of sound mm -hmm. and vibration and yeah. light and gas, right? Mm -hmm. Like your shirt. That's why I love tie-dye. Because tie-dye mm -hmm. is like, in my mind, tie-dye is the universe. It's mm -hmm. just so beautiful. It's the mixture of all the colors, and they're in the right places. Even though people go, that's total chaos. No, no. That's nature, right? What you're seeing there. That's God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right? I know right. that's a, like a hippie trip or something, but man, tie-dye says a lot if you are spiritual. <laughs> tie-dye mm -hmm. says a lot, right? Mm -hmm. I know you know that because you're wearing tie-dye. You wouldn't be wearing it <laughs> if you didn't feel it, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think it's colors, you know? Uh, colors do that to us, the vibrant colors. I was watching. What was I watching? And they were theming everything. Oh, it was in the in this, the, the last... Uh, um, Rise of, of Skywalker and um, the peoples that they did in that, the way they, the way they did it, like when they went to that desert planet and the people were throwing this big party that they do once every 75 years or something and all the colors were oranges and yellows, very vibrant, beautiful colors. And then, then there was another race that they uh, showed at one point and all the colors were, um, they were all white and it was very white and black. Uh, and they did that on purpose uh, for the contrast of what each vibration of those people meant. So this is the stuff that goes into things, guys, that passes over most people when they're watching a movie. I know this because I saw an interview with the producers of mm -hmm. that movie. And they and that's the only reason I, why I knew it. But I noticed the colors while the movie was happening, but they did it on purpose. So there's so many layers that go into a production of a movie that people just, they don't realize. What dreams might come. What dreams might come, the colors. Right. Right. And that's what, that's literally what that, what that does to your mind, right? The mm -hmm. colors get in your, because we are color. We are sound. We are vibration. Yes. Right. So everything gets into our, that's why we love harmonics. That's why we like music. Right. We get catchy jingles, get in our head because they're methodical in there. Right. So mm -hmm. 
so what does this have to do with helping people, Leo? Right? Nobody get frustrated. We're on the right track here. <laughs> what we're doing right now, and Robbie's being very gracious by letting me speak more than her, but I want to get her involved in speaking here more, is that we're actually talking about many different tools to help you to help yourself. And we're pointing out some of them, the beauty of nature, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I was watching Nick Gartole and he was talking about, really quickly, I want to get your take on this as well. Um, he was talking about, you know, the, the same thing when I do with the breathing exercise for mm-hmm. a person to um, to uh, separate themselves completely from this uh, pain body and ego mind and uh, and just be. And I, I do a 30 second breathing where you, you close your eyes. I talked to you about that. Close your eyes and just breathe. And while you're doing that, you're not mm-hmm. focusing on anything besides your breath. And uh, when you do that, you're not in your head anymore. You're not in this body. You're actually witnessing this body from a higher place. You may not have that perspective of being out of your body, looking down. That's when you're higher up. That's when you're, you're more out of your body. When you actually can see your body from uh, uh, high up, like you're up in the ceiling, looking down. A lot of people say that and they say that's, you know, the near death experience. I call that a near life experience or a life experience because that's when Mm -hmm. you're expanded in your consciousness beyond the realm of breathing. I use the same breathing in my sessions. Do you yes. see? Mm-hmm. And there's many different uh, ways of those. He he can't. He said, and this was re- I didn't even think about it. It's, here's one of those things that's so obvious. It's right in front of you. And and part of it was when um, you picked up your granddaughter and uh, and and your grandson because they're still so precious. When you look in, especially a baby's eyes that hasn't started speaking yet, when they're real little and they're and they do have the the focus now because you know at first they can't really focus. Once they can focus and they're looking around, they're they're not thinking yet. So they're just experiencing everything. And you can see it in their eyes. And I don't know if I can do it. He did it. I don't know if I can do it. And I'll try to the camera. But he did it. And he showed you. And as soon as his eyes hit that place in his consciousness, the whole crowd giggled because they all knew that they were looking at a child's eyes. Mm-hmm. Because he did this look where he looked at everybody and all of a sudden his eyes were like a baby Mm -hmm. and just looking around at everything. Mm -hmm. The little smile that always have a little smile because everything's beautiful to them. Mm -hmm. And they're looking around. Right. And so I don't know if I can get the eyes right, but when he did it, you guys should watch his video. He also Mm -hmm. went into details of talking about different things that you can do that we do naturally and don't realize we do it. Have you ever found yourself, say, looking in the mirror and you look at yourself in the eyes and for a second you just kind of pause and you don't think or say anything? It's that realization when you're looking at yourself that you are looking at someone and then you start looking at their eyes, your own eyes, and then that takes you to a higher place immediately. And then you have to start thinking again. Otherwise, you'll stand there and stare at yourself for a little bit and all of a sudden you go, whoa, that was weird. What was that about? Mm-hmm. Or when you, you ever go and look out a window and you just stop thinking and you're just standing there and you're just looking at nature and you see something like a sunrise or a sunset or the beautiful ocean, you're looking at that or a picture and you stop mm-hmm. and you just stop thinking and you just take all that in. That's when you're leaving this body and moving to a higher place of existence outside the realm of the thinking mind and the pain body. You're mm-hmm. actually there. So there's different techniques. And I, that's funny that you use the same one that I use. I think it's because it's the easiest one for people to get, right? Mm-hmm. 
right? I mean, it's easy to explain. Yes, <laughs> yes I mean? it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and and, they, and that one's really works. There's no way unless they were thinking the whole time. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. I'm supposed to be not thinking, but I'm still thinking. And if you're doing that, you're you're missing the point. <laughs> I've actually um, used the looking in the mirror thing as um, to help kids, um, my kids especially. I would always tell them when they'd done something really out of their character, really bad. I want you to look in the mirror. Now I want you to really look in the mirror. Do you like the person you see? Deep inside, do you like that person? If you don't, you need to change that. And I have done that many times. And I've always uh, used to make little mirrors for girls when they graduated. Just really little frilly mirror on the back. And I give them a little little, uh, card that said, always live the kind of life that when you look in the mirror, you like who you see. Right. And so I always have done that. You can, when you look at yourself sometimes in the mirror and you look deep within, that is a, almost a meditative state right there. Yes, it is. Like, who am I? Who am I really? Right. What right. the you world tells us to be, not who everyone just labeled you this way or that way because of a decision you made or a mistake you made, but who are you? Right. And Bright Eyes says, you know, a bunch of hearts for what we're talking about. Bright Eyes. We're talking about Bright Eyes. We're talking about eyes. We're talking about the eyes are the window to the soul. And someone comes in with the hashtag on their handle as Bright Eyes. Uh, and then and then uh, Bright Eyes says, uh, we all have alien DNA. Absolutely. We This human construct that I'm in that you're in has 22 separate alien DNAs involved in making up this corporal body. It's yes. genetic royalty. We're actually genetic royalty to the to the universe. Uh, mm-hmm. So yes. So not only see people don't realize that even though we're we're kind of stuck here, we're rock stars. You are rock stars outside of this place. The aliens come here, right? You know, Whitley Strieber wrote the book Communion, and people asked him why. And he said when the aliens were abducting him, he asked them what do they want, and they said Communion because we have found that the that. The, the aliens that are part of the AI that is here, they don't have a soul. So they're mm-hmm. trying to figure out the spark of life, the pneuma, the soul that is in here. They're trying to figure out if they can create that and, and, and find it in the universe and, in, and put it into their beings. Because out of all the gray aliens, there's different species now, but out of all the gray aliens that are here, um, there's only one species that has a soul. And all the rest are soulless, and they're and they instead of instead of uh, letting go of those that are alive that have no soul, they're trying to give them a soul. So they're not trying to figure out how to get. They're trying to figure out how the humans, because of the way we procreate, if the soul is transferred during that process into a body, how does it get there? Because if they can get it, then they don't need us, and then they can just recreate everybody and add new souls. But that's not how it works. And yeah. See, there's there's them being godless again, right? We talked about this, right? Mm-hmm. So then the scientists won't get it either. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I think the reference a, a lot of we're just um, souls trapped in humanoid bodies while we're here. <laughs> and my grandson, right. one of my grandsons in Oklahoma, he always calls that human, that humanoid, that human, <laughs> that human. Oh, I love that. <laughs> And and he even told my daughter just recently, he just walked by the bathroom and stopped and he looked at her and he says, mom, I don't want you to get trapped here in this earth. (laughs) I'm like, whoa. (laughs) 
I know. Again, I think I told you about my mom questioning me last night after I got yes. done talking to you. Uh, I, I went and I sat down with my mother and she looked at me and said, how long are we trapped here for again? <laughs> I said, mom, we're, we're, we're cutting it down to a couple years now. We're going to get mm -hmm. out of here in just a few more years. Can you handle that? And that was what I said to her earlier. Remember I told you that, but she asked me that question mm -hmm. again. And she didn't say, when can we move? Last time it was, she said, when can we get out of here? And that's when I said, do you mean moving or do you mean going to heaven? And she was like, yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> so this time she said, how long are we stuck here for? That's what she mm -hmm. said. Not trapped, but stuck. How long are we stuck here for? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, we're working on that. We're almost out. Okay. We just have to get the last stragglers off world and then we'll all be okay. <laughs> she, I said, can you handle a few more years? She goes, yes. I said, all right, hang in there, chick. I got you. <laughs> we need to listen to people like, such as your mom and such as the kids because they say things and a lot of people overlook it, but it's, it's coming from the real answers. Yeah. It's come. That's a real question that, that an adult is asking, not a child. Mm -hmm. And when I say mm -hmm. that, when I refer to adults, I'm referring to people who have gotten their vibration uh, to that place. And I, and I, mm -hmm. maybe I should stop saying that because it makes it sound like people are beneath other people, but it's not. It's mm -hmm. just where you are in your development. And right. most of your development has been retarded, not on your, not because of you. Right. You mm -hmm. got here. We all got here. This is what we go through when we first get here. So we were we came in and we were automatically trapped. We're in this little machine, this little game that has to be played. That's our rite of passage. We have to mm -hmm. wake up and 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 solve this puzzle. Once you solve right. this puzzle, then you have the ability to journey the rest of the way through life. Uh, but then people got here and changed the puzzle. Right. They changed the mm -hmm. puzzle and they made it worse. So we're stuck. And that right. wasn't, and the way that happened was was on purpose by the universe, but on accident. Um, Raw talked about that. That's why they're still here in the Council of Venus. They came here at the same time. There was people in the um, in the South America, Central America, um, doing the same thing, and they were over in Egypt, but they didn't realize, as they put it, our affinity for bellicosity. They didn't realize how many people were evil on this planet, and they would corrupt the information that they had. Uh, and, and for, unfortunately, that's what happened. And so now they're still, they're stayed. They're still here mm -hmm. helping us free ourselves now because they're responsible partly for us being stuck here. Mm -hmm. So that's why a lot of us have come through to do the same thing. So you guys need to understand out there in the world that it's not just scary politics. It's necessary for this to happen. And we're trying to give you the tools so that you'll see that. And we're helping and working and we're here for you. And Robbie's doing that work as well. And that's why I had her on. And I know I'm doing more talking than she is because it wasn't really set up as an interview. We're kind of here to talk to you guys about this stuff. Right. But maybe I'll go into interviewing her as you guys think up some questions. All right. So let me do that. So people have a background on you. I know your background, but everyone else out there in the, in the world, or unless you have fans here, which I'm sure you do. Some of the people in the crowd are probably your fans or people, you know, so um, tell them uh, some of the stuff that you told me, like when, you started realizing you had abilities, which ones, and kind of take us through that progression like you did me when we were talking the other day. Um, well, I guess um, when I was very small, I already had the sense and knowing and, and uh, well, I, you know, was talking to angels, kind of got in trouble for that because they thought I was talking to myself or whatever. And uh, part of that was because we had been in a, um, a haunted house and, um, there was a whole lot of uh, experiences there that I actually remember some of it, but some of it was told to me by my, my parents. But um, the 
there were like spirits that actually would open the doors, I guess, for me to go outside because there's no other way I couldn't have gotten outside. And I would communicate with them and I could see them. And I, anyway, I carried some of that with me all the way in my process of growing up. And I would get feelings and uh, premonitions and tell mom, no, don't go that direction. And sure enough, something happened that direction. Or if she didn't listen, she would always come back and say, why did you tell me that? And I would explain to her, I just had a feeling. And being an empath as a child, I um, I really, I cried a lot because um, any of my mom's friends or her that were going through things, I would feel their pain. And, and it would be as if it was my own pain. And I wouldn't know how to explain that or to express that. But um, anyway, I would actually feel it, you know. And uh, can y'all hear me? Yeah, yeah, you're fine. I just, I just uh, put you up on full screen. Sorry. (laughs) Okay, okay, I'm I'm not used to this. But anyway, so I had dreams that would come true and visions that would come true. And as I got older, also living in the Bible Belt area, it was very difficult because I loved God and I, I believed in God and with all my heart and my soul, and I always felt Jesus. But I knew that I knew things, and the people from the church did not really promote any of these things, right? So I was torn between that so much. You know, um, even kids, you know, growing up, they'd say, don't dream about me because you told us you dreamt about so-and-so dying, and then they died. And, you know, things like that. And then that would be kind of spooky. So I'd have to not tell as many people just pop out. Oh, I had a dream about this. That was a horrible dream. And then they die. So I was real careful about that. And so but I always um, felt presences and and um, so many different experiences and sometimes found out later something had happened really bad there. But um, in high school, I was trying to um, to learn different things things searching for books I knew something about hands I knew that everybody's lines are different and we're born with fingerprints all unique and God give us each our own fingerprints and so in our hands as well and I know that that can't be bad God made our hands so I went to search out and I never really found it until the day I turned 21 and the day I turned 21 I found a book and I would just would get a good feel like, okay, I want something not evil. I want it to be good and wholesome with good vibes and good feeling. And I found one. And the same day I actually met a woman who was um, a reader and she told me how psychic I was and she read regular playing cards. And um, she's like, well, how about you read mine? And I'm like, Oh no, I don't know how to. She said, yeah, you do. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. So she said, you just practice with these cards and, and you will be able to read them. And sure enough, I started doing that. And then there was different other gifts that I would try because I'm an adventurer. I've always, I came here to adventure. So that's what I would do. I would just start like, you know, trying to different things. And, and once I even tried to move something with my mind, but it didn't quite, you know, give me a headache. And then my friend told me the psychic, she said, no, Robbie, you are, you have too much, um, unforgiveness for people that have hurt you. You don't need to mess with that right now. So I didn't ever mess with that again, you know, in my process of emotions and growing and learning. So I didn't ever mess with that again. But um, then I learned about the dousing and this, you know, different things. And I've read for people dreams that have come true so vividly. I've actually birds. I can hear the birds tell me things sometimes, especially if it's on a mission, like 
uh, when we were searching for my brother, his body, and um, used the dousing rod. And that's that with help with another person. That's how I, we found him. And so um, actually, my brother has come through to me many times. And but all these different things um, as I'm growing, I have also now downloaded a new gift. I'm trying to fast forward because I don't know how much time I have. Um, this new gift that yeah, I got was mostly need. from my manifesting. I have uh, realized that, you know, we can manifest anything good and bad. And I have manifested a lot of things bad in my life that I didn't mean to, didn't know what I was doing. So does everyone else every day. They manifest things um, good or bad, sometimes a mixture of both. But if we concentrate, and we believe something. It even tells us in the Bible, in that book of Thomas, if we believe, truly believe, and we pray for God to give it to us. Now, it doesn't mean if you pray that you're a car and you sit in a car all day that you're going to become a car. You're going to have to, you can't be a car. But if you, my point is, is you do have to do some action. But if you believe it strong enough, you will do the action to get the end result. If you concentrate and see it, has, it has passed. And she froze. And you have received. Oh, I'm there now. There anyway, so there if you truly believe, if you truly believe these blessings have come to pass and you believe it with your heart and your head, if you believe it, like it says in the book of Thomas, if uh, your body is the, ha the house or the temple and when the head and the temple or the house come together, that these things can manifest into your life. And they do. So I had been actually praying and manifesting that I would be able to help others help themselves. You know, I can help someone and that's who I have been my entire life. I can help someone and I can help them again and I can help them again and I can help them again. But if I can help them help themselves, then they can help themselves and others for a lifetime. So my point is, is that's that's what I started praying and manifesting. And so I didn't I even was surprised as you know, in this humanoid body that I actually all of a sudden received this gift that now all of a sudden. I just knew I could do this. And so I would actually do this uh, meditation, manifestation, prayer session with people. And I have been able to do it in person and on the phone and also identify, say, body parts that are bothering them at the time or an ailment or a health problem I didn't even know that they had and actually help them to help themselves get within themselves in their deep core of their soul and do this little session and help like Maya. I know her mom just I seen a post where she said I've helped her daughter so much. She is so blessed and she's coming in her, her gifts and she is able to see her past loved ones, angels, different things. And um, she's also been able to hear the birds. We were doing a little session and I was like, what are they saying to you? And she heard it. And it was the very same thing I heard. So everybody is different. Some people just need it to help them. Some people that are going through a divorce, some people that have bad anxiety or stress. Some people that actually have their stress or anxiety cause them health problems. 
and I can help them do this. And I'm trying to teach them to do it for themselves when I do it. We need to do it many times until they can do it on their own or need to just, I need to help them, you know, another night. That's fine too. But I have been able to help kids all the way up to adults. Um, I helped um, Jillian's daughter with the ADHD. She said her daughter has not been very receptive on things like that, but she actually was. And she even told me after we were through that she had felt calmer than any medication she had ever been on. And Jillian said that, yes, it it lasted her for about a week too. But if I could teach her to do that for herself, you know, a few more times to ground, to shield, to get the Holy spirit upon you, um, in your meditative state, do, just combine everything and manifest all at the same time. Good things are going to come my way. In the name of Jesus, you have God's love and light all around you. Your feet have roots sprouting into the center of the earth. Sometimes with more than one people in my sessions, I have their roots to unite together as they're holding hands. And th- when they're in there, they, they know the answers. They, they can feel these things. They can feel the Holy Spirit working on them. They're quiet. They're still. We start out with the breathing and prayer. And they just go quietly into this meditative state. And sometimes I, I, they fall asleep in it. And that's fine, too. There's no better place to fall asleep than there. It's like they're in a, a little room of heaven, so to speak, when we're in there. Right. I see. Yeah. I know I, I keep popping this stuff up on the screen while you're talking. People are making okay. comments. I'm, so I'm throwing it that's up there Jennifer, for, for the that's, that's Jennifer. It. That's her daughter that I have been helping. And I actually, her um, the session with her husband in it was the one that, it was wow. It, it was a blessing to me because um, it was a spirit. His brother's spirit was coming through. And, and it was as if his face was just like light from God shining all the way from the back of his head, just all the way through to his brother that I was trying to help. And, and he was trying, he was telling him, if you can just love me, if you can feel the love, like I feel God's love, this agape love is so big. It's so enormous. It's so beautiful. It's just overwhelming. If he can just feel this love, I'm feeling for him and he can feel it back the same way. He can't feel pain. He can't feel grief. He can't feel unforgiveness or sadness or anger because it's the love is just so big. And, and it was a great blessing to me to feel this. It was awesome. Right. I mean, it, I don't know how to explain it. It was, um, it was one of the most spiritual moments that, I, that I've had, you know, and I've been to church and I've prayed and I've, you know, been on my knees and I have felt the Holy spirit in many different ways, but that was pretty amazing. I, I won't, I won't, you know, kid anybody on that. That was just amazing. And I'm going to carry it with me from now on. Well, you know, and, uh, and there's a lot of truth to that. We talked about this off camera when I shared you uh, my experience where, uh, when I sat down in that chair with the Bible in my backyard yes. <clears throat> and that feeling that I had then. And I forgot to, until you just said that um, to, to further that when we were having that conversation, we were off camera talking guys. So we're not going to reiterate that whole thing, but I wanted to further what, what Robbie's saying is I was never baptized as a baby. So I got baptized as an adult in 2004, 2002, I'm sorry, 2002, three, somewhere around there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Right. Um, but I, I got baptized and the, what Robbie is explaining 
that spiritual event and the feeling and the experience that you feel you cannot put into mortal words. Mm-hmm. I have tried since my, since my baptism and that time prior when I felt the mm-hmm. same energy in my backyard. It's undescribable. Yes, when you it feel it, it changes your soul forever. It does. Because you, you actually know. You actually know. There's no more question. You know that you were just touched by something that is way, way bigger than me. Yes. Yes. Right? And that's that's the only yes. way I can describe it. The movies don't mm-hmm. do it justice. The books don't do it justice. Mm-hmm. The only way, and, I, and I, this is, I know this is a kid, some people get mad because of, of Star Trek and Bones, Leonard McCoy, uh, on Star Trek when he had Spock's mantra, his soul, in his head, and Spock died, and then they resurrected his body. They didn't do it. Nature did it when the when the when the planet when the uh, uh, the uh, doesn't matter the planet the, the machine blew up that was creating matter, and it actually created a planet and had to, had the creation, the power of creation, and his body was laid to rest there, uh, and it regenerated his body, but he didn't have a soul in there. But his body instinctively knew that he had to find his soul and his soul in the head knew he had to find the body. And once they reunited the two, then Bones said to Spock, can you tell me what happened? And he said, no, I can't. I can't describe to you what it's like. And he says, you mean we can't have a conversation about it because I've never died? And he said, yes. (laughs) He can't describe to Leonard McCoy as a human what he went through because it's so far beyond our imagination and our mm-hmm. ability to understand that if we didn't have an immortal soul, we would never even have noticed that person being in the room. Mm-hmm. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. yes, yes, yes. It's just enormous. There's no way to yeah. describe it. It's like it is everything. It is everyone. The only time I've ever seen anything in the movie that came close was was in the Highlander movie, the first Highlander movie, when Connor McCloud killed the Kurgan and they were the last two immortals. And he got all of the power of all of the immortals, which was basically Mm -hmm. giving him almost the power of God uh, and creation Mm -hmm. on Earth. And when that happened in that moment, he's lifted up into the air and his body is flipping around in the air and everything's blowing up around him and sparks are flying. And then they actually show, they actually filmed his head exploding uh, into consciousness when he said, I see, I see everything. I am, I am everything. I know everything. And then his head exploded and then it all comes back together and it drops him on the ground and he collapses on the ground and he stands up and he's no longer immortal. That was the prize. (laughs) But (laughs) he was linked into the universe to where he could actually hear the thoughts of any soul on the planet if he focused on it. Mm hmm. So he became an ambassador for the planet for peace because nobody could lie to him. <laughs> so right. he became a very important human. But, uh, but that experience that they tried to show you on film is the closest, and it still doesn't do it justice. I'm getting, I'm getting now from, I'm getting, and that was nothing compared to the reality. <laughs> so, well, so I know what you're talking about. You know, telling right. me that's a good, that's good for babies, but that's still nowhere near me. <laughs> you know, I have felt like you're talking about when you're baptized or when you feel the Holy Spirit, but this was still even a bigger 
I mean, just so vivid and so huge, you know, right? I don't know. It was, it was more so, I don't know how to explain it, but, but like I said, these sessions are helping people, um, help themselves. But, you know, of course the, the kids, I can teach them in a small version, my, my one grandson, well, really both of them, they always said they're doing their ninja breathing and they do this little meditation thing. And that's so cute, but I'm trying to actually teach them because they'll say, can we pray again and meditate again? And so they love that. And if they can fall, they'll always fall asleep in it. And that is a great thing for people to even do with their kids. Right. You know, to teach right. them because you oh, get yeah. within yourself, you can heal yourself, you can manifest, you can, you can release all the stress. Sometimes I even talk to the stress or the anxiety or a knot in your neck, tell it to leave. It right. has to leave. It serves no purpose. Leave. You know, you don't I, belong I say to that to people a lot and they kind of giggle, right? When someone mm -hmm. says, oh man, I have this headache. I'm all, well, tell it to stop. Mm -hmm. And they look at me and they go, what? And they're like, tell it to stop. You're in charge. Right. And they're mm -hmm. like, you can't tell a headache to stop. I'm like, you want me to show you? Mm -hmm. and, and they're like, um, how do I do that? And I'm like, um, I'm not going to do anything, but I'll tell you what you're going to do to yourself, and I'm going to make your headache go away. I said, actually, let me reword that. You're going to make your headache go away. And they go, right. you can't do that. No way. No, uh-uh. I'm like, all right, take your fingers and grab your nose right where the cartilage and the bone meet. Squeeze that part. Close your eyes. Take your other hand with your finger of your other hand and tap on your third eye, kind of hard-like. Do that for about 15 seconds and then let go of everything and open your eyes. And when they do it 100% of the time, they go, how did you do that? I'm like, I did not do anything. You just well, told your headache to stop. <laughs> the the dice piercing, the dice piercing, the area that you get the dice piercing for a migraine, it also right? works. It does work. Because I can do it. I got yep. the day piercing. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, if it doesn't work, it's usually if it doesn't work, it's usually your neck then, and you just need a chiropractic adjustment or something, or a massage therapist or something. Right. Because I do believe in all that too. A lot of times, you, you just need to stretch. People don't stretch enough. People don't drink enough water. Water is so Damn. vital. This is this is a, like um, not only is it like our temple, it's also our vehicle, our vehicle for our soul to get around in. So if you yes. don't put water in your vehicle, it's not going to run correctly. Correct. And it, and if you keep having your vehicle under stress for whatever reason and you're out of whack somewhere, like in your body, it needs to be put back in place. Something's going to mess up somewhere near that. So you have to take care of this temple, this vehicle that we carry our soul around in, you know, stretching, meditating, doing some exercise, grounding, walking outside on the ground, the water, getting near the water, go barefooted. Um, doing your, your visual grounding with your roots coming into the earth and shielding yourself from all the negativity. More people are empaths than they even realize. And they feel other people's feelings. They don't like to be in public. They are like, get all skittish and this and that. A lot of times they just need to learn to ground and shield. You know, shield off all the negative. As if it's like the little invisible shield you do like in the cartoons, you know? Yep, yep. Yes. Definitely. So uh, there's a couple of shout outs I wanted to give uh, Aaron Fowler. He, uh, Aaron Fowler, uh, psychic, psychic shaman, shaman, if I could speak, Aaron, I apologize. Uh, he's one of my co-hosts. Uh, he and I and a couple of other guys uh, host Skull Island on Wednesdays. He's in the audience. Jacob Waters is in the audience, and I love his comment. He says, are you over here teaching people how to fish? Yes, we are. If you, if you give them a fish, then they could just know how to eat and beg. If you teach them how to fish, they can feed themselves yes. forever, forever. So, Jacob, welcome. Jacob has a podcast. It's uh, one of my favorite things. To. 
Uh, you guys should mm-hmm. listen to his podcast. So he might have been on the okay. air a minute ago. And Kevin Cummings is here and made a few comments. Kevin, if you're still in the audience, I wanted to give you a shout out, my friend. That, that, that he comes in and out. Uh, he's a very wise man, also a very a cynical man. So I love him because he keeps a lot of people honest when he comes in. He tells the reality the way it is, and uh, and he doesn't have any filters. So I love Kevin for that. Over all the years, he he does that. He goes to all all of our podcasts and keeps people all honest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I'm you know, honest. I, I'm just I'm brutally honest sometimes. Um, Right. You know, sometimes I even give a little discipline. I mean, the girl I've been helping, sometimes I'll kind of say thanks to her and make her realize, you know, to check herself, how to check herself, you know. Right. Right. And she's That's doing all amazing. With this awakening, I can't, yep. it's hard to, to imagine if you see from point A to point B how far she has came. And I'm just grateful that I was able to help her help herself. And that's what th- these younger people nowadays or the, people that are just awakening. They're so lucky and so blessed to have people such as any of us that are willing to help them help themselves. We didn't have that. Right. They're we, so were young, we didn't have that. We didn't have you internet know? to look up something on, nope. to look up dreams or visions or anything. When I was a boy, I was the only person that I knew besides my father who only, that knew half of, and he knew so much more than I did, uh, that he was the only other person I knew and everybody thought he was crazy. And he was like, don't say these things. They'll think you're crazy. Like I am. One of the things mm-hmm. that he taught me was to, to go back to that real quick. And then we'll come right back to here was when I was little, we would go places. Um, he had, he loved his motorcycle. And so he would say, Hey, let's go for a ride. And we'd take off and, and just go wherever. And we would stop somewhere and there'd be park benches and he'd go and sit on the table and put his feet on the, on the, on the, on the bench, you know, he's sitting up on the table and he would just watch the world. He would just mm-hmm. sit there, light a cigarette, get out coffee, have a give me his thermostat with some coffee and drink his coffee, smoke a cigarette. And he would just watch people. And mm-hmm. I went and sat down next to him and I would start talking to him. And he says, shh, 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 be quiet. He says, just watch these people out here. He says, don't say anything, but just watch them. He says, when people don't think other people are watching them, that's when they're truly themselves. And you can learn a lot about people from doing that. <laughs> and what he was trying to teach me at the time, I was unaware of it was the calm to witness the world instead of thinking about it. He -hmm. was doing that. And instead of telling me why he was doing that and and what he was trying to have me accomplish, he was letting me experience it for myself and Mm -hmm. hoping that I would. And at first I didn't get it. And I was just kind of sitting there watching people. And then pretty soon, you know, as you're watching people, then I started thinking again. I'm like, I'm not supposed to be thinking about what they're doing. You know, because he said, just just, you know, pay attention and and don't start making up stories in your head about them. Just let them tell you the story. So he was trying to tell me, be calm, be quiet and shut up in your mind and just experience this moment. As I got older, as I got older and he was already gone, um, I actually started crying and I said, wow, he knew this when I was a little boy and he was trying to teach it to me. And here it's taken me another 10 years before I understood what he said. And I remember several times in my life when my father would say to me something, and then he would say, you're not going to understand this now, but later on in your life, you're going to understand why I'm telling you this. He was Mm -hmm. planting these seeds in my head of all of the stuff that has, that has manifested in my life ahead of time. 
Mm-hmm. And now I find myself kind of doing the same thing. And I wanted to get your take on that because that's kind of what we're doing when we're helping people, right? We're giving them mm-hmm. tools that they may not necessarily be able to use right now or hoping that we mm-hmm. can give them that and they're ready. But if they're not, we're also planting those seeds for later, exactly. teaching them how to fish, like Jacob said. Exactly. <laughs> right? I love that saying about the fish. I even yeah. put that on a picture with my son and my grandson fishing. I love that. It's one of my favorite. And that's exactly, I've used that term in explaining this gift as well. And um, I just want people to realize that they can heal themselves. God give us that ability. He give us the universe that we can manifest anything from the universe we want. You know, we can. We can do it. Yep. And Absolutely. and and it's all within us. God is in us. The universe is in us. Energy. We're energy. Yep. And we can. Re- we get, can't hold on to all this negative energy. Forgiveness is not going to do you any good. You know, anger. Fear, fear, especially the world is so full of that right now. And I refuse to live by fear. I do. I just refuse to. I'll be standing there dying. I'm saying I'm not going to be scared (laughs) because that's just who I am. I'm not. Right. You know, um, because fear does nothing. I can remember being young, you know, uh, knowing things, seeing things. And it did sometimes frighten me. And I learned it didn't do didn't do me a bit of good. And I learned to overcome. I always just tried to face whatever fears I had. And just that's part of my adventure. And I do encourage others to do the same thing. I encourage everyone to do that. And um, the, the thing is, too, is that, you know, when you get within your inner self and you get that quiet, like you're talking about with your dad, that is so right. I even use that. You know, you do your breathing, you get quiet. You're like above your body, sort of hovering. You've got this God's bubble all around, just beautiful love and light. Your feet are planted, so you can't float away. So you're right. grounded, grounded you there. Can't float you away, know? right? Yeah, that's right. You, you're grounded there. Now you get within yourself. Now whatever it is that needs to be fixed, that's what you need to work on. And that's what I try to help people do, is to help themselves like that. I have to do it to myself, and well, I do admit yeah. sometimes when I get to the to the meditative state, I even told Jennifer I was like, yeah, and I fall asleep a lot of times, and so I know why my poor legs are hurting because I didn't make it that far down. <laughs> Right. You know, the, the monks, uh, when they were going through that, they still do that to this day. One of the one of the things they teach uh, the monks, even in Tibet, <laughs> when you're getting into these long meditative states, they tell you drink tea beforehand so you won't fall asleep so readily. <laughs> right, right. right. Get some no, tea and get some caffeine. Yeah, that's you. right. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. When I do it for other people, I don't um, I don't fall asleep. But when I do for myself, sometimes I do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what happens because you get so comfortable. You get in that place and that's the same euphoric feeling that you have when the endorphins mm-hmm. kick in just before you fall into uh, sleep and your mind drifts into the subconscious. It's that same feeling, that warm, mm-hmm. fuzzy, cozy feeling of peace. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, no, nothing hurts. There is you know, The sound doesn't bother you anymore. Who cares what's going on? You're in that place. It's like being in mom's womb again. Mm-hmm. Right? That's right. Yeah, so that's that's the place we're trying to achieve to uh, to continue to return to. If you can hold that, if you can hold that place uh, in your conscious life, and yes. keep yourself in that place in everyday mm-hmm. life all the time, mm-hmm. that's the key. That's that's. Someone asked Edgar Tolle, "How? What is what is the signs that I'm waking up?" And mm-hmm. everything that Robbie just explained to you and talked to, to you about about, and then myself. 
about the being in that witnessing place, which is outside of your body, uh, just slightly above. And you, you, if you pay attention to your thoughts, once you start to listen to your thoughts and get to the place where just prior to your mind thinking it, there's this whole entire concept of what I'm about to say that is already mm-hmm. there. And then the mind repeats it. And then the mouth repeats it a third time. When you can discern that, that's when you know that you're waking up because you're going above and outside of the thinking mind and realizing that your thinking as a soul is a whole conceptual idea. And then your mind breaks that down into words and explains it out your mouth. When yes. you hear that before you hear the mind thinking, you're hearing your thought as a soul that mm-hmm. is not attached in any way to this body. And that's what controls this avatar. So the entire yeah. concept is in your in your head before it's in your mind. And when and when you realize that and you start to be able to reach that and access that, that's when you're starting to wake up. And so that's what I meant. If you can keep yourself as much of the day long in that yeah. place, that's you being awake in the now. Yes. And it's always pulling you down. That's what Robbie said. I have to do it to myself. I do too. We all do because this world is mm-hmm. a matrix. There, there's many mm-hmm. egos that are pulling us, our ego and pulling us down to keep us in this place. So we have to co- you know, force ourselves here in the book of Thomas, like you said, uh, God said there in, in the, I believe it was Thomas, uh, yes. it could have been the book of truth, but I think it was in both, that, that I have already come to you. Mm-hmm. I am not coming to you anymore. You have to now come to me. Because I have come to you and give you the tools. I gave you the tools in your past to your soul to now come to me. See them, Mm -hmm. find them, and then come to me. So we, it is our duty to meet God halfway now. God has come all the way down here and said, here's the tools you will need. Find these, see them. And when you do, I'll see you there. They're already in here. (laughs) And they're already in here, right. It's already within you, your body. Everything is there for you to become and achieve this place, to no longer be caught and stuck here, that you could leave whenever you want. But what happens is, and I'll tell you this right now, and Robbie will say the same thing. The second you get into that portion of your mind and you say, I can actually leave right now and not have to be stuck here. Mm -hmm. A nanosecond later, you go, yes, but I have to help the rest. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right? Am I right? Mm -hmm. It is right. That is right. I always know I have more work to do. Yeah, because we do always have more work to do. Let's be serious. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the truth is, it doesn't matter where I came from to be in this place. Say I was born mm-hmm. here and this is my very first time or that I came with the people that were in the 11th density and came down, which they called the fallen angels and tried to pervert into the devil. Um, or if I'm a wanderer that came in or a walk in that came in and I came from whatever level, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, mm-hmm. I still have work to do no matter where I am. <laughs> yeah, they did try to say that about the RH negative blood. I know for sure they said that. Yeah, that we, yeah, whatever. I'm R, I'm R, RH negative. My whole family is. Where I'm O yeah. negative, as a matter of fact. So I'm the rarest. Uh, but you have the negative. We talked about that, right? I have AB negative. Yeah, but you still have the negative. 
right? So yes. that's, that's that. That's the, the, the reinforcement of the genetic royalty in this genetically royal body. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So the people that have the negative, whatever it is, that they don't have the positive, they have the negative, which everybody thinks is the, you know, negative means bad. It doesn't. Negative means the good. Right. So mm -hmm. that's one of the markers that says that the soul that's within you uh, already has the power of creation. So that means whatever, whoever you are in your walk of life, that you are already able to achieve that. You just don't remember it. And then mm -hmm. some of you uh, don't have that. You have the, you know, the other blood uh, DNA. And that doesn't mean that you that you can't achieve that. That just means yeah. that you're some of the people who got stuck here. And the rest of mm -hmm. us, that little 10% of the population, that, that, that or the 20% of the population that has those negatives, right? No, it's actually 40 because 10% is, is the O's negative and positive or O and then O negative. So that's 10%. And then everybody who has negative, because everything A has negative, B has negative, AB negative, right? They all have a negative. So it's not mm -hmm. half, but it's less than half. So the scary thing is that, you know, according to whatever thing everyone has been telling me is that that negative is a wanderer, a walk-in, a star seed, uh, the people that came from the 11th, though, those people, which is makes up about a third or more, almost a, almost a quarter of the population of this planet came here to help. Mm -hmm. So we weren't the ones that were stuck. We're the ones that are stuck with you now, helping you raise your vibration. And that's one of the markers that the governments look for in people's DNAs to find, and they, they know that you're a wanderer. They try to recruit you and turn you evil. That happened to me. They started recruiting me at 11 and stopped trying to recruit me they're still trying to recruit me and I'm 54. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's not a joke. Right. I understand. Not a joke. So, so they, they want to corrupt you uh, because you have abilities and that's the ones they grab as children and have that whole 20 and back thing happen to them because they, before you wake up, they use your abilities and then put you back into place and they use you for nefarious reasons. Uh, even though you don't know it. Right. Uh, and then they mm -hmm. put you back into, into place. So let's get away from politics again, because that scares people and I don't want to create more fear. Right. So, mm -hmm. but I wanted to, I wanted to point that out because um, you guys need to look at your own DNA, your own blood type uh, as well as other things that you don't realize there are markers that are there that are supposed to remind your body to wake up, to break the mm -hmm. conditioning. And that is the same with, uh, with everyone. So I'm and the, uh, Native Americans are they're the keepers of the earth, though, the Native oh, yeah, all the Native people, the, uh, the, uh, the Aborigines mm -hmm. in Australia, the Natives in Canada, the mm -hmm. Natives in America. Absolutely. The, the Natives that are that are everywhere. If you look at Central America, South America, uh, all of those peoples, their whole mm -hmm. ideology, their way of life is completely mm -hmm. spiritual compared to us. They yeah. are 100 percent spiritual. Mm -hmm. Right. But they would say they're not because they don't believe they are. But compared to the uh, regular Western world, which is mostly godless, uh, you know, uh, at least they're trying to make it that way. Uh, those people are the keepers of the earth, man. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they know. They know things that we're just now realizing. The Hopi rock legend, the Hopi uh, people will tell you the Anasazi, the Hopi, and the and the um uh, and the Apache that live in the four corners areas. And the who else am I missing? The the uh, um there's there's another two two other big uh, uh, Native American uh, tribes in the in the four corners. Choctaw. I, I know Choctaw. Choctaw. Yeah, mm -hmm. right. Well, then there's Mohican, but then we're starting Cherokee. to go further east. 
Cherokee. Navajo. Cherokee's in the Midwest. Yeah. Cherokee's mm-hmm. right there in that same area. That starts Black just at like Texas, Wyoming, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So these tribes were still tuned in and they tell you the stories of the, the different destructions of the planet and the Aborigines in Australia can go back. I don't know how many, some of the Aborigines say that the, they know, they know seven cycles that we're mm-hmm. on the seventh cycle that they know of. And, and you know, mm-hmm. our modern religion will only tell you about the deluge. Well, that was just the last one, the flood, right? Mm-hmm. You can read the, 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 um, the Kilburn Bible, which is a Scott over in Scotland. I was just telling uh, Robbie about this yesterday yes. and the mm-hmm. Bible with the first seven books are scrolls that came out of uh, Egypt during w- at the Crusades or I mean, after that, mm-hmm. at the Exodus, at the Exodus further back when Moses got the people to leave. These scrolls came with them and ended up uh, with a monk in Scotland and they took their scrolls and put it on the last six books are their ancient scrolls, which is the, the basic uh, creation story that you hear from all around the planet. And that in there tells the same story, right? Of a second deluge. Oh, I'm sorry, a second, a second death of the earth. And that was the meteor strike that destroyed the earth. And that mm-hmm. would have been 75,000 years ago or the one prior, which would have been 125 or 27,000 years ago. Cause there was two. So that, that's mm-hmm. the third one. So there, but I'm, but I was trying to figure out if that was the one that was just, you know, that the meteor that struck the, or the, uh, the uh, super volcano, in that time or, you know, like Krakatoa and one of the others that went off in that short time period, or if it was the, the younger Dryas and it was the younger Dryas. That's how far back that goes. That's just one scroll. And the Aborigines know of of six more, (laughs) right? Isn't that Mm -hmm. crazy? That is crazy. They're the keepers of the planet. They, they're the keepers of the earth because they, Mm -hmm. they have, they have survived their knowledge of the earth survives maybe eons. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. See, Norma said, uh, Norma, one of the, she's a co-host with me on Skull Island, co-creator of Skull Island. She said, I'm O negative as well. See? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and I know they Peter is too. To, I'm pretty sure Peter they is. Say Peter that, the RH, they say RH negative um, uh, folks attract one another. Yeah, I, I, I find that because my friends, my family, mm-hmm. uh, and more people I ask, what's your bloodline, you know, what's your, your DNA or blood type? And they're like, oh, negative. I'm like, what the, ha-? Melissa Erdman, oh, negative. Aaron Fowler, oh, positive. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, look at these people that are in the crowd. You mm-hmm. guys are all have the markers. <laughs> you have the markers of a wanderer or a walk-in, guys, or one of the, mm-hmm. one of the fallen, one of the, from, that came from the 11th density who came down here, who are here still holding this place, holding it here. They're the line. They came down here to be the line, hold the line, while the rest of us wake up and tow the line. Uh, and, and they all have that same genetic marker. And here's the thing, guys. Type O and type O negative DNA only arrived on this planet 10,000 years ago. Hmm. They cannot find it in history past 10,000 years ago. Think about that. Think about that. Scientists, mainstream scientists believe that the people who have uh, a a DNA that is type O or type O negative are more genetic royalty than the genetic royalty that we already are. That's what Hmm. I'm told. And I know that we attract one another because because that's just every person that I've met that has that marker, I instantly go, hey, right? So, okay, so uh, uh, Peter says A positive O. Okay, so he's, I think he's trying to say uh, A or O positive. Uh, he usually talks into his phone. Sometimes his phone doesn't uh, doesn't pick it up. So he could have went, um, 
uh, how, you know, O positive, right? Like, that's how he talks. He's Irish and he talks real slow. And so he mm-hmm. might have went, um, O positive, and it took a O positive. So he's O positive. There you go. Uh, it, right. So this right here is a core team of people, you know, isn't that crazy? So it is. Crazy. And I know these guys, I work with all these guys. Peter and I are in the coalition together. Aaron and I have collaborated 100 million times. We're friends. He's like my brother and his wife. And I'm working with Melissa. Right, he's one of these people with the, all the O's and the negatives out there, and we're all we all know each other, and we all speak to each other on a daily basis. For crying out wow. loud, right? We attract one another, Norma. Mm-hmm. We all attract one another. So there we are, communicating, collaborating, and and we instinctively know. Aaron and I talked about this. We instinctively know that we can work together and set our egos aside for real, not say that we're going to, and then in some way try to try to like kind of take control of something that doesn't belong to you. We're completely Mm -hmm. trusting each other, knowing that we're not going to rip each other off. And we have this, we've always had that rapport. The first day we Mm -hmm. met, his wife said, this was years ago and I was interviewing him and we were hanging out like you and I are hanging out now. And they said, man, he's so easy to talk to. He's like hanging out with my brother. And I thought the same thing. I was just like, what's up, Aaron? Like I knew him forever. Right. Oh, I know. I have people like that too. Mm -hmm. And that's just, and you know, when you meet them, you know that you're going to be able to, to hang out with them for as long as you're in their life or they're in your life. Mm-hmm. And who knows what happens with life? They might be lifelong friends now. You don't know, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you, you, right? You can't tell the future unless you're in that place. Mm-hmm. Right. So what was Julie saying? I'm going to put this up on the screen. My husband has two sets of dog tags from uh, his army's days and says, oh, positive. And the other one says, oh, negative. Oh, then he says, uh, oh, and right, it's O negative with a wink. I'm O positive. <laughs> That's good. Has O negative. I'm O positive. That's hilarious. Oh no, Peter saying he is A positive. Okay, okay. So Peter saying he is A positive. Go ahead. My oldest granddaughter. My oldest granddaughter. She is um a lot Native American, and she looks a lot Native American. And when she was born, it was an automatic thing. She's also negative. She's B negative. And when she was born, she was laying over there in the little thing, you know, and she heard my voice and automatically looked at me and I automatically said, my, my, it's been a long time. It was just an automatic thing. And I knew, right? you know, right? wow, it's been a long time. It was like in my deep within me, I knew. And so you do the same thing with people you meet as well. Yeah. Well, I told you that story when I was at church. I went to church and I, or maybe I didn't, I went to church and, and I was um, meet and greet, right? Everybody's outside before the, before we're all running in. Everybody's, uh, you know, cause the priest isn't in yet. And we're all going to talk outside and meet and greet. And then everybody goes inside, sits down and gets ready. And uh, someone that I knew, a person that I knew came up with uh, another woman and, and said, uh, you know, hi, this is so-and-so. I looked at her and instantly I knew that I've known her for many, mm-hmm. many lifetimes. Yes, I've done that too. But and it was I didn't funny. say, hi, yeah. my name is so-and-so. How nice to meet you. I said, how are you? And she said, it's been a long time. That's why when you said that just now, that triggered the mm-hmm. memory. She says, it's been a long time. I'm good. How are you? And I said, I'm fine. And then the girl said, you guys know each other? And I said, no, we haven't met in this lifetime. Not yet. <laughs> Until now. <laughs> and she, mm-hmm. she was like, what do you mean in this lifetime? And she's like, um, because I've known him before this lifetime. And I'm like, I don't know how far back we go, but it's my eyes are it's it's doing my eyes good to see you. And she said the same. And we never spoke again after that. She checked in. Hi, how you doing? How you doing? Meet and greet. And then we went and sat down for church. And then we talked a few minutes afterwards and she went on her life and I went on my life. But I knew that I knew her and I knew that I was going to see her again. 
that's highly unusual in church. You don't usually get that in church. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, now, mind you, we were outside of church on the steps. Yeah, but still. But still. <laughs> right. You usually don't get that. You know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So we were outside of church on the steps. We hadn't gone in yet. But then, you know, uh, I never, we never spoke again. But I knew that there was going to be a time that there is going to be a time that I'm going to see her again, wherever, mm -hmm. whenever that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's right. It's amazing when that happens. Right. And this is Aaron's answer that he said, yes, sir. Collaboration is the key without trying to control it. Just allow every voice to speak and take turns leading. But see, that's that's where we realized that we could do that. Right. And work together and not and not try to be the one that has to be the one that has to be in charge or has to have the fame or whatever. We we all know that that's not what we're here for. Right. That's and so right. Aaron's responding to what I was saying there. And because absolutely. Yeah, that's that's how we and we have a blast doing that show. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We're only on the, the 10th show, right? I think we're on 11 now or 12 this coming week on Wednesday, right? I mean, that's literally it. We just started it. I'm on I'm on episode 391 right now <laughs> talking to you guys, right? It's, it's actually, uh, um, that's just the episodes that I have posted. So it's actually my the real count of this episode is more like 560, but I only have 391 on my MP3 file. I don't oh. have the archives because the archives uh, are on YouTube and I haven't gone and ripped them down from YouTube and on my computer, which I, um, which I, I think I blew up so I can't access it. So otherwise those would be out there for you guys to hear the first three and a half years of the podcast would be out uh, on the MP3 file uh, for you guys to listen to. So if you, you guys that do listen to me on the MP3 file, if you want to hear the first two three and a half years of my broadcast, you'll have to go to YouTube and, and go back all the way to 2016 when I started <laughs> to hear those because they're not readily available on your, on wherever it is you listen to uh, me uh, the, the, around the world. They're just not there because I've never put well, them up. I certainly hope I did. Okay. I um, was a little nervous talking without like you, I guess, seeing you on there. That's, why I, that's why I stopped that. Like, I, I yeah. forgot to tell you I was going to do that. And then you were like, can you hear me? I was like, okay, she has no idea why I just did that. So I popped back and left myself <laughs> on because I went, okay, she's nervous. And, and I, got I, had that. Felt, I had felt, uh, I had felt, you know, my ego wasn't involved, but all of a sudden the ego was like, Oh God, I'm going to sound dumb. <laughs> right. Am I, is he even here? That happens if people don't see you. I don't say anything. You don't know. Right. So right. like, am I on my own here? Right. Um, the, I was watching Michael Cooler or Michael Cooler, Alex Cooler, and he was doing a webinar and the, and it was like that. He was a full screen and he was sitting there talking and the guy got up and went into the kitchen to get something. <laughs> right. And you don't know this as the listener until he stops talking. And then he goes and he same thing. He's like, um, hello, is, can you hear me? <laughs> He's like, is anybody there? And then you can hear the guy off in the distance. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. And then he runs over to the microphone. You can tell. And he says, sorry, mm -hmm. I, I just jumped up for a second to go get something out of the fridge to get a drink. And he says, right. well, I'm still here. So, right. So that happens. I, and I've been on many productions where we put people up on full screen and we didn't tell them ahead of time, we're going to put you on full screen and leave you there while you're talking. Uh, and, and then they get confused at some point. They go, oh, my God, am, am I like on air by myself? <laughs> right? Can anyone hear me? Am I still am I just talking to myself? So when I saw you do that, I went, okay, leave your face on the screen for her and she can, that way she knows you're there. <laughs> you got to hold my hand. <laughs> well, no, that's, you know, I, I, I didn't discuss that with you ahead of time. And so mm -hmm. then I thought, I hope she's not mad that I did a boom, put her on the screen like that. Right. So that's why I was like, Ooh, back up. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm easy to get along with. I don't get mad at you. <laughs> 
Well, you know, when it comes to this, there's the personalities. You know, that's why I said before when uh, there's a certain group of people that I don't work with because they they're supposed to be awake and they have all this like ego. And I'm teaching yeah. everybody everything, but don't, but you know, but then they get, you know, uh, upset about somebody who's in the chat room or they get upset about somebody mm-hmm. talking when they shouldn't be. Who's that person that keeps putting their hand up? You know what I mean? And I'm like, well, right. you, you, yeah, you're not as awake as you think you are. Cause that shouldn't bother you. <laughs> right. right. I had a, I had a very rather, um, awkward experience uh, with that because I've been in different groups and try to do readings for people. And, and that's how I've met a lot of, of really of people that I've helped or that have helped me in some way. And um, I would, you know, offer free readings or whatever. And um, this, this one lady though, she had her own group um, sort of a, basically, I guess, promoting her own business. And um, she just looked like really gifted, you know? And so I said, she offered me a reading. I'm like, well, you know what? I can't, you know, really afford to, to pay for one right now, but we could trade one. And she, you know, was like, oh, you're gifted. I'm like, yes, we could do a trade, you know? Right. And so she started, you know, and said all these just really wonderful things about me. I was a little overwhelmed. I'm like, what? Really? Okay. Well, that's okay. My, I don't have a big ego up here. It's like, okay, okay. You know, giving me all these compliments. And then I said, you know, I feel a little overwhelmed giving you yours, you know, because you just, told me all this wonderful stuff about, you know, myself, you know, and it was almost just too much for me. I can give compliments, but don't take them too well. One of those kind of personalities. Right. And so, but I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll give you your reading now. And so I started giving it to her and, and I told her um, that she needed to be careful of her, of her diet and have a little more exercise because um, I could see that she might have a tendency to have like a diabetic or um, that she also might have some artery problem, you know, that she might just want to watch her diet. Don't, don't try to manifest this, pray against it, but just kind of watch your diet and to kind of stay on the right. She automatically got mad. Just, I mean, fighting mad and just didn't even want to talk to me ever again. That was craziest thing. I was like, Oh, I didn't mean to offend you. I'm so sorry if I offended you. She just wouldn't even accept an apology. But I was just seeing something that I thought I should tell her to, to be careful of with her diet and exercise, you know. And I felt so horrible about that, you know. Right. Right. I mean, but, you know, sometimes the truth hurts, right? <laughs> yeah, right. And, she, and another right? thing, she liked this man and she wanted to stay with this man. I'm like, mm, he's not your forever man. I'm like, I don't see him. You're forever, man. But for now, you you be happy with him or whatever. But I say you're going to have a child in the future. And and this man's already, you know, he can't have any more. So you're going to have another child. I was trying to give her, you know, a lot of hope. No, I like this man. I'm like, wow, this lady is gifted and was able to tell me a lot of things. And But she you know, was close-minded to that, to that right, um, right. avenue. And that'll change as time goes. So, Peter, I didn't realize this about Peter. I've, I've known Peter for He's, he and I are in coalition together, but I, I don't remember how we became friends. We just were on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says the same thing. It was weird. But he was there for my very first show in the beginning. I didn't realize that. So he remembers it like it was yesterday. He was there. But when I went live, Orion Rising, for the very first time, Peter was in my audience. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Right? And, and Robbie here. Thing too. Robbie popped I mean, up. She's prodding you. You don't, you don't have to do this, but I would like to, if, if you are willing to tell, you told me this story off camera. Uh, I'm hoping you're willing to tell the story to the people uh, here. Robbie wants you to. She says, tell them the story about your dream. I, I, I call that more of a, a, a out-of-body experience. Uh, I think a, a past life regression mm-hmm. than a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, that's my opinion. You guys can judge for yourself if Robbie wants to tell yeah. that. When she yes, was talking to Pontius Pilate. Mm-hmm. 
So if you want to, if you want to tell the story, go ahead and I'll sure. shut up and let I'll you tell it. it. Okay. Um, my last ex-husband, it's funny I say it like that, but it is what it is. So <laughs> he did not, he did not uh, believe in anything really um, other than just the Bible, nothing spiritual, no psychic abilities, no visions, anything. So he had been off working and he come back and I was asleep and I was talking in my sleep, which is something I do quite a bit. I even walk in my sleep, do a lot of things in my sleep. And so um, anyway, he started listening to me talking in my sleep and he started asking me questions. I feel like he was probably, you know, seeing if I had been cheating or something because he'd been off working, which he should have known better. But right, my right. point was is that he was, you know, asking me questions to find out who I was really talking to. And so he said, who are you talking to? And he, he said, I mean, he was shocked about this. He said, you said you were talking to Pontius Pilate. And at this time, I mean, I hadn't watched anything about Pontius Pilate, really didn't know much about him, just knew a couple of small things in the Bible of his part, you know, when Jesus was crucified. Yeah, and you didn't even know the backstory until after no. I told you. And then you went, now it makes total sense what was I right, talking to right. him about. So go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so then he was asking me, well, what are you doing? You know, what are you talking to him about? What is he saying? I'm like, well, I'm trying to reason with him. I'm trying to reason with him and change his mind or something, you know, along that lines is what I was saying. And he was like, and what? And I said, it's all prophecy. It can't be changed. It's all prophecy. And um, it, it kind of shocked me. But somehow, whenever he, he repeated everything I had said in my sleep, I knew deep within my soul, I always had that I was there when Jesus died. Uh, and to me, a lot of people, they want to portray themselves as a past life. I was Cleopatra. I was somebody, whatever, but there right. has to be other people too in past lives. I mean, we all couldn't be just, <laughs> right. You no, know, we can't be all Kings and Queens. We had, there's a bunch it, of right, serfs right. and peasants, right? Yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I can't right. remember a past life. I haven't yet of a past life where I was any kind of royalty ever. Everything that I've, uh, I've dug up on my past lives have been just some mundane guy. I was a bank robber in the old West out here in, in the, in the United States. And I got gunned down, uh, robbing a bank with a bunch of people. The citizens got tired of getting robbed. And so they, they all got together and they set us up in this one town. We went into the bank. When we came out, they shot us, shot us all up and almost killed all of us. I was the last one out of the bank. I didn't make it onto my horse. <laughs> Leonard, I must have known you then. Okay. I must have known you then. I don't remember this past life, but listen, when I was a little girl, six years old, what I asked for for Christmas was shiny cap guns and a holster and I had my fringe. And anyway, always, and I wanted a toy train. I wanted a toy train and I wanted guns. And I always was drawn to that, except I used to wear like the Indian stuff too. And I'd always tell my mom, I would go back. I would live with them Indians if I was back then. I'd go live with them Indians. So the right. movie, Battle of, the movie Battle of Little Big Man with Dustin Hoffman. Yes, yes. That resonates with me. Dances with Wolves, those resonate with my soul. Right. So I don't well, know. I was native. Years. I was native once here in California, which is really bizarre. Um, I And I check this out. I was uh, with my, my uh, first uh, uh, ex-wife. Um, we were at her parents' house. She was living in her parents' house and they had a jacuzzi out back. They had a deck you walked out on, then it went downstairs and halfway down was a jacuzzi. And then it went downstairs down to the lawn and the, and the area, you know, in the backyard. And, um, that area, it, it was over in, um, in Benicia, California, or as we say it, Benicia, 
um, because it was a, a, a landowner's name. It wasn't everyone says Benicia or Benicia. It's actually Benicia because it was Don Benicia owned that land uh, from the Mexicans. They were actually Spanish royalties before the white people took over California. <laughs> so back before that, the natives owned that place. And we were in the backyard with her son, my stepson. And at the time he was 17 or 18. Uh, and um, I walked over and I sat down in the area. The, the, it was a wooden lid that went over with, actually it was a lid that went over with, had um, leather on it uh, to cover the jacuzzi. But the, the whole area around it had seating. And then so you could sit up on the deck and then go into the jacuzzi and then get out of the jacuzzi and sit on the deck. So there was a barbecue at one point and all this stuff there. So I'm sitting there. And my wife is down the lawn, and my son is up on the uh, the patio right above me. And I looked at her. She was walking up, and I said, "Welcome to what was once a kiva, which is now uh, a jacuzzi." <laughs> right? And she says, "Thank you. May I enter?" And I said, "Please do." And she says, "It's a very nice jacuzzi, but the kiva would have been better." And I said, "Agreed." And and I motioned for her to sit down. And when she sits down, all of a sudden, her son, my stepson, is standing up right at the edge of the of the walkway, and he says, "What the fuck? Pardon my language. Are you guys saying?" <laughs> and I turned and I looked at him. And I said, "What are you talking about? Well, this all this land used to be a Native American uh, owned land, and this particular place in the grove of these trees in this valley was a meeting place for many uh, Native Americans, and they used to come to this backyard." where we are. And he says, how do you know this? And I said, I don't know. Why did you ask? He said, because until now you weren't speaking English. Wow. And neither was she. <laughs> and, I have talked other languages in my dreams too. And apparently we were speaking in whatever that native American language was to each other. Mm -hmm. I heard mm -hmm. it as English. And so did she, he heard it as a foreign language and knew it was a native American foreign language. And he said, until you just now answered me in English, I did not understand a word that you guys, that you guys just said to each other in the last three minutes. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's, right? I have talked in my sleep in other languages. People have heard me that I don't know. I do that. They've told me I speak in Gaelic and I don't know very much Gaelic in this life, but apparently when I'm uh, in asleep and I'm talking most of the time, it's in Gaelic. Everybody mm -hmm. in my family who understands Gaelic are like, you're saying some stuff that we're not quite sure we understand the weight of it. And I'm like, what is it? Does it sound like prophecy? They're like either that or you're like talking to God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, really? Right. I, but I don't know that much Gaelic in real life. I, I have to ask Peter most of the time, what does this mean in, in you know in modern gaelic or, or ancient gaelic because peter's like the whiz he knows all of that stuff right so he and i i know some of it but not as much as he does i'm hoping to learn gaelic so i can speak to him more in gaelic and and get us both back doing that you know but that's yeah. just crazy right i had a the dream about um one time i told you this when i first met you about um there was a spaceship come down and it, the lights were just everywhere, just going around. And it was so big and so bright and thought it was like going to, you know, hit me or somehow, you know, I'm talking about the, the lights above me, whatever, feeling like that, you know, just like ducking, not knowing what's going to happen. And I remember the door opened on on the, the ship and when it, and the lights were just so bright, so every which way, just so bright. And then this thing was enormous. But inside, no one came out. This beautiful, bright light was shining from within all the way out. It was just beautiful. God was in there. And he started 
at the time, I think I was concerned with the, the husband I had that I was afraid I was going to probably die. And um, I was worried and praying that I could maybe, you know, not die because I had a child to raise. And so God was talking to me and telling me I'm going to live a long time. He was talking to me telepathically. He didn't like open the door and come out. It was telepathically. He spoke to me and told me, know that I was going to live a long, long life. Hmm. And that was pretty amazing. That is right. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. When, you know, that it, there were things that my father taught me how, how to do. And he, my father could, he would literally be sitting in the room. He did this one time at my sister's house and, and this is legit. My sister was freaking out. This is my, uh, not the, not, I have four sisters. So she's was the youngest, uh, the second youngest of the four sisters. Jennifer, we're at her house. My dad and I went over. This was when I was a kid. So, you know, I was probably 15 or 16 at the time. And we're sitting there at her house. We're talking and it's getting dark outside. It's twilight. It's starting to get dark. And we're all just talking, blah, 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 blah. blah. And all of a sudden the kitchen light just goes tunk and comes on. <laughs> well, I'm sitting next to the light switch and my dad is sitting over here. The light switch is behind me to the right. I didn't do it. My father did not reach over and do it. My sister is sitting across from him. He was sitting with his arms crossed or uh, or something, uh, maybe with a cigarette. He didn't have his arms out. The light goes, poof. She looks up at the light. She goes back at him and she says, you did that, didn't you? And he said it was getting dark. <laughs> he smiled. It was getting dark. But mm -hmm. she, he didn't reach over and turn the light switch on. He just did that. So he also would be sitting there and we'd be watching TV. And he would say to like myself or one of my sisters, oh, wait, get up and go and answer the phone. It's your mom. She's at your grandmother's house. What are you talking about? And then the phone would ring. And then they go to answer it. And it was exactly who he said. I did that too. And you know, my kids have done that too. When they were young, they would know who was outside before. And you know, we weren't expecting someone that could tell me who was outside. So kids are all born pretty psychic too, but they're, they're taught otherwise. The society teaches them otherwise to not, you know, to listen to the inner self. You know, it's right. true. Well, I've been told that that a lot of us, but some people more so. Um, I was told many times and many by many different people that my energy arrives before I do. Mm -hmm. My my stepson would notice that whenever I was I was coming over, the dog, his dog, Stella Luna was her name by the way uh -huh. beautiful right she was a american american pit bull mix with a um a dalmatian uh, <laughs> so she had all the spots and everything but she was an american pit so she was all white mm -hmm. with the brown and black spots and you could tell there's a dalmatian in there but that's all pit bull right uh -huh. <laughs> she was beautiful great girl. she died she had cancer but she lived a long mm -hmm. life before that happened so she would get up and run over to the window and stand up looking out the bay window and wagging her tail and Christopher would see that and he'd go over and he'd go, what's out there? What's out there? And he's thinking that there's a cat or a dog. And every time she did that, she'd be looking up the hill, wagging mm -hmm. her tail and looking up the hill. And then I would pull up. So she knew either she would hear the sound of my car or she knew my energy. And another time when that happened, he was not in the room and she got up and ran over to the window and her and his mom was there. And she said, um, oh, well, Luna's going for the window again. And he says that's because Leo is about to pull up. Yeah, animals are psychic, too. Yep. And you know, they are. Yep. Much Leo's about to pull up. And so she told me when I came in, she said, you know, your energy gets here about 35 seconds before you do every time. 
And I'm like, really? Is it that far out? And she's like, for the dog, it is. <laughs> like and I'm clockwork, not sure. if that dog jumps up and you're expected, and I go click with a stopwatch and go three, two, one. I'll go vroom, down the hill and pull in front of the house every time she said. And I'm not sure how many people on here that, that, that are already awake with their gifts and experience things, but the spirit world will all of a sudden you will have spirits show up here and there and you will recognize things and you'll have experiences you never did before. Uh, like I said, I've always had it wherever I go, there's spirit activity. Uh, just a for instance, instance, I was telling Jennifer and them the other day, I found my biological dad. I didn't have a name or anything to go on. And I found it through the DNA um, through finding his, his first cousin. But um, when I went to meet him, you know, here I'm into my fifties. I'm like, you know, are you my daddy kind of thing? That's kind of awkward in the first place. But, you know, I just wanted answers. You know, if, if we could have a relationship, that'd be great. But um, I just wanted answers and to know certain things, you know. So when I went up to their house and he had his wife was still alive then because that's a couple of years ago. And um, when I walked in the house to sit down with the DNA test and everything to present, stuff just started falling off their shelves. Just falling off the shelves. Right. And I'm like, oh, you have spirits. Okay. Well, I'm not sure if they're happy or upset that I'm here, but hey, I'm here. <laughs> right. right. But it was, uh, I yeah. have this a lot. I have it a lot. And I don't know if everyone else does, but it's, it's common. And you will start seeing things. And some people who've never seen ghosts or spirits, they will if they're around me. You know? Yeah, you know, and that that happens, and people don't realize. You know, if their third eye is closed, they're not going to see that stuff anyway, so they don't know. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, well, I walk into a place, and I can immediately. I walk in. I'm like, you guys realize there's a guy, and I did that at her her parents' house. I said, you guys realize that there's a a man from the uh, from the First World War who's wearing his mm -hmm. his army uniform who resides in the basement of, of this house. <laughs> yeah, you know. I just have you ever heard of Eureka Springs, um, Arkansas? Uh, I don't think so, but but go okay, ahead. Okay, it's one of the it's one of the most haunted places, like listed among those. Well, it's a beautiful, beautiful place, and they do have a great passion play they have that is is phenomenal. I saw that when I was um about fourteen, but I went there a few years ago during the winter months. Um, hold on, I got a call. I'm declining it, and. Anyway, I went there. I wanted to go on the ghost tour. I wanted to see the different places or whatever. And it was so fun for me because while we were on the ghost tours, I'm like, okay, well, what about this person that was also here in this room that, that his body was also shown? It was a little boy. What about him? You are not talking about him. And all of a sudden they stop and look at me and they're like, yes, you're absolutely right. <laughs> right. And I'm on them stuff and I'm like, okay, well, let me tell you the rest of the story. And they're like, and I, I even mentioned sometimes I'm a show off and I don't mean to be, but I'm like, but they're not talking about this. It needs to be told. They're wanting these spirits want to be sometimes just recognized. Right. That's what All right, I got to give a shout out real quick. Omar, Omar is in the, in the crowd. He was over, he said he was over on, on YouTube. I don't know why brother. I don't know why I didn't see the, your remark. So I'm glad you hopped in over here. Uh, Omar is, uh, has a uh, watcher's talk is his um, podcast and he, he puts on, that's his, corporations companies putting on a bunch of webinars he's putting on a really big webinar coming up for the solstice my god man i didn't realize he said he was going to do 111 speakers and he did it now that thing's what 10 days bro um so i gotta give him kudos omar 
uh, is the guy who got me started. He was the one I was working with him awesome. on Watchers Talk, but I was not. Uh, I was actually just helping get talent for him. And mm -hmm. uh, he said well, one day, he said, uh, I found uh, Neil Gore, uh, who owns Portal to Ascension, and his wife, and I wanted to interview them or have him interview them. And Omar said, why don't you do it? I'm going to have you. Yeah, I want you to do it, and I'll be co-hosting. So if you get nervous, I'll take over. And I sat mm -hmm. down, and I started talking. I haven't shut up since. <laughs> <laughs> right? So he, he's the one that, that inspired me. Uh, to, to, to talk. And, and before that I was giving interviews, uh, and I was inspired by, uh, by, um, uh, well, I can't think of his name right now. The guy from, um, uh, uh, paranormal into the night, he interviewed me about my books and mm -hmm. he inspired me then to continue interviewing. And then Omar inspired me to be on the other end of the microphone and start interviewing. So now here we are some eight years later, uh, you know, and uh, I, and I went with him for two or three years on his show. And then I started my show. He had to take a hiatus. So there was no talk show. And I got antsy. He was gone for like three months. So I started my own show. And he came back and went, go, brother, do what you're doing. Uh, so I wanted to give him a shout out. You're awesome. Uh, you're, you're natural at it. You're awesome. He said the same thing. And so the reason I continued doing this was uh, Neil Gore and his wife thought they thought I was a professional that Omar hired. They didn't know that it was my very first time interviewing. Uh, interview. wow. And they were just like, wow, this guy is great. Who's this guy? So they told mm -hmm. me that. And I was like, dude, you're my very first interview. And they're like, no way. You need to be doing this. you got the voice. you got the charisma. Mm -hmm. You ask you the right do. questions. So here I am. <laughs> so I want to give kudos to Omar. <laughs> Dino, thank <laughs> you. Omar remembered. I couldn't remember. Dino from Paranormal Into the Night. Uh, Dino, uh, how do you say his last name? I always say it wrong. Dino Pruitt or Hewitt. Uh, he's the owner of uh, Paranormal Into the Night, a very su successful podcast uh, that is, is even bigger than mine, or it was. Uh, and he went off the air for a few years. Uh, so, yeah, that. so I had to give him the shout out because, I mean, the truth is, uh, if Omar hadn't kicked me out of the uh, out of the nest and said, no, you interview, had he not mm -hmm. done that, I probably would just be a, a speaker and not doing anything else. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, awesome. So now I do both. Right. <laughs> Now I now I speak too much and 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 I, and I talk too much and I have my talk show but you know what I'm helping people uh, and you so I are. just want to give him a good shout out because I I didn't see him for some reason in the chat from YouTube because he said he was saying hi in there but he switched to come over and I didn't see it in the in the crowd I just kind of went back to him like where the hell is mm -hmm. it so I don't know what happened so wires got crossed we might, maybe I was off air for a second and it didn't come through I don't know brother but I saw you on Facebook <laughs> okay so so yeah continue. Um, uh, let's, let me see if I can come up with another scenario where we can get, go down another, uh, angle here, um, uh, for that. Uh, for instance, um, my father was teaching and I, and I teach people this and the doctors of course try to tell you it's, it's completely hooey, but it's not true. Uh, when, when people get a ringing in their ears, have you, do you, have you had experience with that where you had a ringing in one of your ears or both your ears, but it's not that, that ringing like I have because I have damage to my eardrums and I hear that tone all the time. In both my ears, yes. it's not that ringing, but it's a different one that happens in a different way. Do you know what I'm talking about? Right. I do. So my, my father was teaching me that as a kid, and it's a form of intuition uh, and communication that, you know, you always say, well, your ears must have been burning. That's what they're meaning when they're saying that right there, because it's not that your ears are burning, but sometimes people have that sensation where the ears also get warm, right? And when Absolutely. there's a tone and they, your ear actually gets warm. So my father, yes. when I was a kid, would teach me th this. He said... Um, pay attention to those moments if and when they happen. 
And if mm-hmm. and when they do happen, think about people. All the people mm-hmm. that you know, family members first, usually. The closer the people are to you, the more they're going to be tuned into you. Uh, and then the, and then go out from there. When you say a person's name and the ringing stops, that person was thinking about you or talking about you. Usually, sometimes they'll call you immediately or whatever. You and know, that's what he said. Sometimes they're going to call you. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, or somehow you're going to have contact and, and they could drive up. They could uh, call you on the phone. He says, that's how I know when the phone's going to ring and who it is. Because yes, the, yes. The, the type of tone I'm getting, I know that it's a mm-hmm. phone call that's going to happen, not a, a driving up, right? But mm-hmm. it's a phone call, and he he would know all kinds of stuff. He sat uh, up in the in his bed in the middle of the night. He woke up. I, I remember we're, we were in the other room. Of course, we all had our own. Well, my brother and I were sharing a room, but everybody had their own rooms except for us. We were the youngest, so we were sharing a room at the time. We we're like seven, eight, and he wakes up. And he's sitting in the, in the bed and he lights a cigarette and he starts crying. My father never did that. I mean, he smoked in bed, but he never, he never cried, hardly ever. My mom woke up and said, what's wrong? And he said, the phone is going to ring in a couple of minutes. My older brother just died. I, I have done this. I don't, I can't, I can't even tell you. It's almost an emotional thing. How many times I have done that in my life? Yes. And there was a time when I was up, I went with my buddy, Scott, a lifelong friend, I've known him for 35, 38 years. We went up to their cabin. He, his family had a cabin up in Arnold, which is which is way up in the mountains here in California. And mm-hmm. uh, we would go up there every year to cut back all the brush to make a, a fire break so that we would, if the forest caught on fire, we could control the, at least the stuff on the ground, right? Mm-hmm. And don't give it any fuel to continue burning. Uh, we went up there to do that. And we came in at night and uh, we were unaware that there was a, uh, I was unaware, he knew it. But I was unaware that there was already a fire over in the next valley over. And mm-hmm. they said that it might be the wind might be blowing it towards us. So that and so he was like, we need to go cut back the brush up there just in case. So yes. it turned out that the fire came right there. Uh, and we were uh, we went up there and we started cutting everything back. And we can, then continued and continued and cut a very large area. And we took all of the brush and we put it in the gutter. You know how the old fashioned gutters are. It's just a big gutter that was mm-hmm. like five feet wide. It looked like a river when the water was flowing. And that's what the natural gutters are. So they made those. And we put them all in there so that we could scoop it out later if we had to and get it out of there. And eventually the fire was coming closer and closer. We could see it and then ash started raining down on us. And uh, so we were staying as long as we could. They evacuated the area and we still stayed. They came down and they had took down our names and told us, you need to listen to this radio station. Uh, and uh, you know, when we're, when the fire is going to get here, if you're going to get trapped, we have to come and get you. you. You will have, you will be mandatory evacuated. We said, okay. So we stayed there and they turned off the water. We had no running water by this time. Everything was shut down. Uh, everyone was gone. We were the only ones that that stayed, uh, so far as I know, in that area. And we continued. And when the news got down to the Bay Area where my family was, they all knew we were up there. And they were like, oh, my God, that fire is where they are. And we have no contact with them. So my brother, my younger, he's the youngest of all of us. He, he, I lived with, he, he and I still live with my mom and my stepdad at the time. I was like 21 and he was 19. And he says, no, he says, our father was a firefighter. My brother is up there fighting that fire. He is not dead. I would know if he was Mm -hmm. dead. And everybody was like, you don't know that. He's like, I know that. Trust me. So then my mom called my sisters. They're like, he's fine. He's fighting the fire. That's what dad would do. He's not dead. We would know it. So we were gone for three days off the grid. No one knew where we were. We were fighting this fire. 
And mm -hmm. finally they came down and said, you have to go now. The fire is about to jump the, the highway mm -hmm. and you're going to be the last civilians that we're going to let out. We're closing down a 50 mile strip of highway four all the way up to Arnold and all the way back down to, I forgot the name of the city, little, little town uh, down the way. And I can't, but angels camp. He says, so you have to go now. So when we left, it, the truth is we were driving and it was a firestorm. It was blocking out the sun. The flames were shooting up so high. It looked like a volcano had erupted uh, and it was all dark and you could see fire like 150 feet in the air. And I took pictures of it and we literally drove for like five miles and they had a five mile long stretch bumper to bumper fire trucks. Wow. And they actually sat on that on that freeway and it jumped over them and they controlled it as much as they could. And the fire actually burned all the way up to his cabin. And the reason I'm telling the story is when from all the work we did, when they got saw what we did, they brought all the fire. The forestry came down there and used what we did as the last fire break to stop the wow. fire. And we didn't know it. When we left and we came back down, we were still with dirt and grass hanging off our shoes and in our socks and all over us, filthy, dirty. We hadn't showered in three days. And we come, we go driving and we went, stopped at Angel's Camp and then came all the way back down to the Bay Area. And we walk into his house and his dad goes, <laughs> his dad says, God damn it. <laughs> he says, we thought you were dead. And he points to me and he says, and you need to call your mom. <laughs> so I called my mother, told her what was going on. We were okay. Took a shower. Uh, and then we ended up going out to get pizza. My girlfriend came from my house. She was camping at my house, uh, waiting to find out if I was alive. She hot footed it over to his house. And then we went out to get pizza. And then he and I were like, we got to go back up there because we know all the people that are fighting the fire and we need to know what happened to the cabin. Uh, and she was like, she's like, I'm coming with you. We had pizza. We grabbed the pizza off the pizza parlor, drove up there. But the whole family kept telling his family, they're okay. We would know if he was dead. My entire family was like, no, he's not dead. We're not in denial. I can feel it. He's alive and he's fighting the fire. And that's what we were doing. Isn't that crazy? That's right. I know that was a long story, but. A lot of times, a lot of times biological, um, there's biological connection. Some, and sometimes there's always a little bit of gifts in there that people have already recognized that they were just born with. But I find that the biological connection, a lot of times, you know, just the connection that you have, uh, it, a lot of times it's because you've lived other lives with those same people, but you have a very deep connection to know if they're alive or if they're not. And just that's kind of like in the search for my brother. Um, you know, I had a, a psychic friend helping me too. And she would ask me questions, you know, and that's what I, I do a, not, a lot now too. ask people questions to ask themselves, you know. And so she right. did that a lot. And, um, you know, once there was this, this church that that I kept having feelings about, I would go behind there. And I said, I keep having feelings right here. I feel so intense, like he had been right here and I feel it so strong. And so she said, OK, call me whenever you go that way again. So I did. And she said, okay, Robbie, there's going to be a blackbird. It's going to speak to you. And, and about that time, this great big old blackbird, I don't think it was a crow, uh, maybe just a raven. And it started, you know, squawking. And uh, she says, now, what is he saying to you? And I was like, he's saying he's here. He's here. He's here. But I got so upset. I said, but he's not fucking here. You know, I was mad. You know, <laughs> he's not fucking but here. guess what? He was. He was 200 yards from there. Wow. I finally had to go around another route 
in the land to find. And there was this man, this old man, and he was like really gifted and he used a dousing rod a lot and he let me use it a lot. And he, you know, he said, I know where you need to go and you're going to find him when you go there. I said, okay, but my brother already came to me in his spirit and said, I can't see him. Right. Because we were, his name's Robert and I'm Robbie. So that lady said, you know, she told me, she said, you know, you're like twins, soul twins. I said, duh, my mom didn't name us Robbie and Robert for nothing. It means the same thing. Right. So, yeah, <laughs> right. you know, that's where I am. But anyway, so all the bit different visions, I can tell you, it was a long, long, a lot of, a lot of different experiences psychically and visions and whatnot. But even I dreamt it 20 years to the day before it happened, nearly everything just like it happened. Vividly, vividly. And that did help me uh, in the search quite a bit. But anyway, so I got around there. And, and so I knew that I was going to have to put my kids into f finding him which was very difficult for me, but that's what was going to happen because I couldn't physically see him. And I promised I wouldn't, you right. know, I told him. So there was this, something across this little waterway. So I asked these folks that own this land, can, can my kids and my best friend's son use this? They think it's something over there. I know, you know, we're searching for my brother. Thank you for letting us come on your property to take this route. And I thank you so much. We're very grateful for that. But um, they say something over there and I know it's not nothing, but they want to go over there and see it to see if it's something. And they're like, okay. So they got in the boat and they went over there. It's nothing. I knew it was nothing. And they said, okay, which way? And all of a sudden I just got so weak in my knees. And, and I, I said to the right, you know, and it wasn't even five minutes. They found him after we'd already been searching 10 days, but I just went down to my knees, but then I got up and started walking really fast. And my daughter, she felt it too. When she pulled in there, she didn't want to pull in that driveway. She said, I ain't going down this driveway. I said, okay, Cheyenne. And she's like, no, I ain't going down there. She felt it. She knew what was about to happen that she was going right. to find him. And I'm like, okay, Cheyenne. So I just got out of the truck and started walking. She's like, mom, I'm sorry. I said, no, it's okay. I understand. Right. Yeah, I do understand. And I was so grateful that we were able to put him to rest. And um, you have to be that way because I was already talking to him in the spirit realm. He was telling me I could not see him, you know. Right. And so, and, you know, so I had to keep that. And it wasn't easy for me to keep that, but I did, you know. But the feelings, you get those feelings, you know. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and a lot of that, like Aaron had made the comment a lot earlier when we were talking and kind of hitting on this, you know, you can't unsee the stuff that you see. That's right? it. Yeah. So one that, and that's why I tell people when you get to that, to that place where you're about to jump off, you know, that pre precipice of, uh, of understanding, um, that's when they, when they tell you that, be careful what you wish for, cause you just might get it. That's what they're talking about. <laughs> Right. That's what they're talking about, because once you start to expand your mind, um, you know, that, you know, like to, to quote Yoda, forever will it dominate your destiny. But but, you know, he's he at that point was using that to, as the analogy for the dark side. Right. Once you start mm -hmm. going down the dark path forever, it'll dominate your destiny. But but in on both sides of the coin, it's the same. Right. Once mm -hmm. you start trying to wake yourself up, then there's no going back. It's not like the Matrix. Well, I guess there is if you do it early on. Uh, but once you pass a certain level of understanding, you can't go back. Right. Mm -mm. Yeah. You can't go back. That's right. You can't unlearn it. You can't undo what you know. In the beginning, it's like what they said in the movie Willow. You have to unlearn everything that you've learned. Once you do that, you can progress forward. But once you start, you know, going forward, it becomes 
um, harder. And then once you make that decision to start waking yourself up and looking in and going down those rabbit holes, then it becomes harder and you can't go back. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. But that's the thing. We do have to retrain our brain. We have to retrain our way of thinking because society and everything has taught us the ways that we're supposed to be. Well, screw that. You know, screw that. Right. And you can manifest good. We all have manifest bad all the time. We see we have some kind of symptom. We look it up on the Internet. Next thing you know, it's in our head. We have this. You know, th that's just a small, for instance, but people do it all the time. Right. Absolutely. They get worried about it and they manifest it into their life. Yeah. See, that's what Omar is saying. You know, he says, don't wish, make an informed uh, intention and, exactly. and then pause positive. Right. Because if you, yes. if you, if you, and that was, you know, we, we kind of ran into this on Skull Island on Wednesday when, uh, when one of the guests was on there and she had said, uh, talking about, she had met people that were, um, stuck and would never become unstuck. Mm -hmm. And I, and I said, well, we have, to, we have to be careful when we make comments like that because by doing so, you're, you're, that's a reflection of you. You're judging them, which means it's judging yourself. Yes. And that hurt her ego and she got kind of upset with me. Um, mm -hmm. And, and, uh, and con you know, continued going back to that, me saying that to her three more times during the broadcast. Uh, and all the other, the co-hosts and the other uh, guests that was on were, were talking, were trying to help her to understand as well without being adversarial. But she was putting... Uh, me in that adversarial role because I said that and I said I didn't say that with malice intention I say that to everyone I just said it to my sister who said something negative about herself and I said you have to stop with that mm -hmm. that's what they were telling you in the secret the secret the books yes. and the and the mm -hmm. and the whole secret of the Absolutely. You know, was that was the secret to get all the negative out of your mind you don't mm -hmm. say to yourself my my uh, second ex-wife uh, her father used to start we used to call him goddamn it Jim uh, because he started every conversation with God damn it. And then said the name of the person he was talking to. Right. Uh, that's literally, I heard that out of his mouth. And then you just listen for the word. Is he talking to his son, his daughter or his wife? Right. And well, so her name's Melissa and he would, and she would, so he would say, God damn it, Melissa. And then he would yell whatever it was he was going to yell at her. He wasn't, a, he wasn't a horrible man, but he had his, you know, the, he had a rough upbringing and he had, he was very gruff. Um, yeah. But it, as he got older in life, like everyone else, he mellowed out and he loved her to death and they had a beautiful relationship uh, and he just passed and she's heartbroken. But mm -hmm. then she got into the habit of whenever she would do something wrong, she would say out loud to herself, God damn it, Melissa. And I, I noticed that. I said, why are, why are you doing that? Stop that. You just, you know, spilt a glass of water on the counter. Who cares? My father, when that happened. I, I didn't understand in life that other kids had parents that would like beat them for knocking over accidentally their glass of milk. My father would go, Oop, oh, oh, look out, everybody, look out. And then he would stop it from flowing. Quick, get over, get a towel, get a napkin. It's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. And we would clean everything up. And then, you know, the kids would be like, I'm sorry. You know, we'd start crying and he goes, don't worry. What you just spilled? Knock it off. Just, we're fine. Let's, let's clean it up. And okay. Now get him some more milk and here we go. Now everything's fine, right? Are you okay? And that's okay. a good lesson to teach kids. So good yes. right there because yes. they make mistakes. We make mistakes every right. day, but keep moving right. forward. Fix it and go on. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right. No, you don't know. You know, and then I find out later that kids were getting backhanded by their parents because they spilt something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then right. I realized that my life was not as bad as people would uh, other people's <laughs> lives. That my father mm -hmm. and my mother were, my mom was a hippie. And my dad was kind of a quasi hippie. I didn't know that until I got older. And he was very appropriate. I didn't know that my father cussed <clears throat> until I was 11 or 12. 
never heard a cuss word out of my father's mouth. And then I'm in the garage and he's there with his buddies and they're working on a car and they're telling stories. And I'm standing in the garage with him. And all of a sudden my father starts dropping F-bombs. And I'm like, <laughs> what the? I look at my dad. Everybody stops. They all look at me. My dad says, you're old enough, son, to know these things now. We don't talk like this around women and never talk like this around your mother. In fact, don't even tell her that we talk like this. <laughs> No, I never, I never used it like that either. And uh, during the search for my brother, I got so frustrated. I even had the preacher and his wife in the back of the truck once. And I threw the F-bomb down. And there, I said, I am so sorry. And they're like, no, Robbie, we understand. We've never heard you talk like that. I said, well, I hadn't really. But now all of a sudden it just happened. Right. <laughs> and it's like I read it was a good release of frustration sometimes to cuss. I'm better now. But I went through a phase, especially working construction, because you can say, give me that dadgum hammer and they're not going to get the same feel as if you say, give me that damn hammer. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's, that's kind of funny too. The, the, some of the things that we call uh, our tools here, here's an example. I, when I was, uh, I was working haunted houses for, for many years, we used to do them. My buddies and I used to turn our mm -hmm. houses into a haunted house and uh, every Halloween. So when I got to work at, when I was in construction, my boss, uh, was really big into that too. So we took the the our clubhouse from our office and we had a, a pool pool table. We had two pool tables set up in this one room and that went into the clubhouse itself where we would rent out to people uh, on, on the property. And we decided to turn it into a, a haunted house. And we turned it into one of the scariest haunted houses in the San Francisco Bay Area, five years running, awesome. not even joking. We were the, when you Googled haunt, best haunted houses in the San Francisco Bay area mm -hmm. for that five mm -hmm. years, our, our website came up as the number one hit every single time <laughs> on every Leonard, I've been in more haunted houses that you could imagine in them. Like I was the witch who gave the witch life. I can do the wicked witch of the West life. Like nobody's business. So you've I've worked been on too. Isn't that fun? Isn't that fun? Yes. Like, okay. So we, we had in this one, we had this, we built a vortex. You know what that is? The big spinny tube that people have to walk through. We had the biggest oh, right. vortex in the United States wow. for a haunted house. And <laughs> it was all made of, of metal. And we had three in three welders that put that together, fabricated it and the engines and oh, everything. And it broke down. So we had to work on it. And it, cause it, one of the welds came loose. And so we had, to, and this was funny because we went out to work the crowd because our line went from, from the gate all the way around the building to the exit. So people were standing in line watching people running out of the exit going, Oh my God, that was so fun. <laughs> right? And they're going, we can't wait to get there. We had an hour wait every year in line wow. to get into an eight and a half minute haunted house. Wow. Yeah. No, no joke. And people stayed. No one got mad and left because they knew our reputation. People, we, we had photographers taking pictures of people as they came running out screaming to sell back to them. <laughs> right. So we go to work the crowd. Right. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and we're telling them uh, we're, we're uh, sorry. We're, you know, we're down right now. One of the uh, one of the parts of the ride ha isn't working. We have we have welders working on it now. And everyone's like, oh, my God, this is a joke. Right. You're just taking a break. We're like, no, no, no we're serious. There are welders inside right now fixing the, the attraction. We'll have you wow. back up and running in a few minutes. So I go back in to help. I'm in the tool room, which is in the center, is the brain hub of the haunted house that none of the guests can even find. But we know where it is because we have all the walls behind the walls that we can move through. I'm back there, and this is where I get into the names of the of the tools. I'm back there, and one kid comes in. He's about 17. And he says, okay, listen, I need a tool. One of the welders told me to ask you for it. But I think he's joking, right? So if it's, if it's a joke, don't laugh. And, and I said, what? And he says, 
they told me to come and get two pairs of dykes from you. I said, okay. <laughs> and I picked them up and I handed them to him. And I said, go and give them that. And he was like, this is a pair of dykes. I'm like, yeah, see the word dyke that you associate <laughs> with a, a slang term or a slanderous term for uh, a female who is gay. I said, mm-hmm. is that tool? It was, it's been called a dyke forever. And that's the one that, you know, that is, has the scissor, right? And so it looks like the female genitalia, mm-hmm. right? It's kind right. of shaped like this. You know what I'm saying? I thought you were going to say, yeah. I thought you were going to say something else, but yeah, that's really funny the same. The donkey. Right? Say, yeah. Okay, so you tell me. You got another one. Tell me. Tell the people, right? You got another one. Oh, so what, yeah. what is the other one? The, the tool that is, they call it the donkey dick. Right? The donkey dick, what, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And you got the you got the cat claw, cat paw, right? You got the pig, right? You know, you, people are like a pig. What's a pig? And I'm like, that's a out here in California, the Pacific Gas and Electric, uh, they have this tool which they use and in, in, in it's there's a company called uh Sweatjet uh that makes mm-hmm. them nationally and worldwide. That's a Canadian company, they sell them. Uh, it's called Sweatjet, and basically it's a has a little butterfly uh, spinny dealy on it and has a, a ball of uh, rubber and when you when you spin the the thing it contracts and the the rubber expands because it's being shoved down so you put it in a gas pipe or a water pipe to seal leaks and the mm-hmm. one that the PG&E Pacific Gas and Electric had uh, came up and turned sideways and had the butterfly so it looked like a pig nose so they called <laughs> it a pig <laughs> right so isn't that weird we names of, yeah. of tools the way we name them that's kind of like the weed burner i worked with this guy and he was uh his whole family worked construction but he'd been doing uh selling insurance so uh we were building supports and um i had finished mine and so he's like robbie will you go get me a weed burner and some loctite I'm like yeah sure and his mama worked in the tool room so this was really funny so i go up to the tool room and i tell her i need loctite well they give us some little capsule with just right. a tiny bit of Loctite in it. it was a new thing they were doing to keep from waste, I guess. Right. So right. anyway, so I go back and <laughs> had weed burner in one hand and give him weed burner. He said, where's, where's the Loctite? And so I said, right here, he said, come on, Robbie, don't fuck with me. <laughs> I said, peel, give him a peel. And I was right. like, I'm not, I'm not, man. He's like, yeah, yeah, you are. Why'd you bring this? What, where'd you get this? What is this? And he put it down. And I said, dude, your mama said, if you burn the weed, you'll pop the pills. <laughs> weed burner the weed burner weed burner yeah, right not, yeah. yeah weed burner yeah. is to like you heat up stuff but they call it weed burner right. so everybody was laughing so hard because i was like yeah dude your mom said because she worked in the tool room <laughs> your mom hilarious. said if, you, if you'll burn the weed you'll pop the pills pop and then the he pills. was like <laughs> and so he was really laughing i said no serious dude this is lock hot go ask your mama <laughs> right so I want to shout out to Leanne. Leanne Curtis is in the house. Welcome, sister. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, Hello. Share this out. Share this out. So she she popped in to see what we're up to. Um, and Leanne, uh, I talked to Evan, and he said hi. He remember he remembered you. I said that Leanne said to say hi, and he said, "Oh yeah, I remember her. Tell her I said hi." I just talked to him today. Mm-hmm. I didn't have time to message you that because I was coming on the air. So you showed up, and I conveyed Evan Strong's message to you. I was just talking to her the other day. And we were hanging out and uh, on Wednesday, and uh, but somehow that came up, uh, talking about Stephen and Evan Strong. And she's like, "Oh yeah, I know them. Tell Evan I said hi. Tell him this this is me." And so I did, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I remember her. Tell her I said hi." <laughs> so, but yeah, you know, it, it's weird that that people can be so grounded and still do the the normal mundane things and still be so completely out of their head. 
at the same time. And some of us go through life not noticing that, you know, until it happens to us. And then we go, oh, wow, I met this guy. Best conversation I ever had. I was taking a taxi cab 35 years ago from my house to my job because I didn't have a car at the time. So I took a taxi because we didn't have Ubers back then, guys. We had public transit and taxis. <laughs> so it was quicker to take a taxi. It cost me more money, but it was faster. Uh, and I had this conversation with this guy, the taxi driver, who was this old retired guy who drove taxi for fun. And he was the wisest human being that I have met probably for after meeting him. I bet it was 15, 20 years before I met anyone anywhere near this man's a uh, place where you could tell awesome. where he was out of his head. And I don't, I, I believe that even where I am now, I'm still not where he was then. So that man was just way, way awake. And this was mm -hmm. 30, 35 years ago now. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm, it is. And I didn't know, I wasn't aware. I knew, I knew that this guy was just, he knew, he knew what was going on, but I didn't appreciate at that time, just how awake he was until recently when i said you know i'm still not i don't believe i'm as awake as that guy was then and so mm -hmm. the, the the more awake i become the more in awe of that guy retrospectively <laughs> i am you know than i than i ever was when i first met him and i and i'm like wow and now because of that i try to remember what exactly was everything we talked about you know and then i wonder was this real or was that was that me channeling that when i was sleeping and thought that it was the guy driving the cab, you know, you know how you do that. You doubt that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So, but I believe it was a memory that wasn't me channeling. It was a man who was very wise. And that's one of those you wish you could go back and know now, you know, know then what you know now. So you, the conversation would be completely different than what we right. had. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. That is so cool. And, and it's a, the thing is, is like laughing, like telling the little stories and laughing Laughter is one of the best medicines. It is such a good medicine. You got to laugh. You can't just be serious about everything all the time. You've got to just relax and laugh and find humor. I tell people that are depressed, find a comedy to watch. Don't watch the news. Find a comedy to watch. Right. You know? Yeah. I said, besides ground, besides or... grounding, in, yeah. yeah. Besides grounding, shielding, meditation, prayer, you've got to find humor. Yeah, that is that is really so. Humor uh, it heals. Humor raises your vibration. Uh, mm -hmm. While you're laughing, you're not thinking. Mm -hmm. So you're very uh, present in the now, in the emotion right. of laughter. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Yes. No, I, I agree. I do that mm -hmm. if, if I'm in any way, even when I go down a rabbit hole, you know, and I'm learning and, and, I'm, and I, I'll stop sometimes and just go, okay, and type in, I'll go YouTube comedy stand-up comedy and then i'll just randomly pick people just to watch stuff to laugh because mm -hmm. you know you get so serious sometimes that you have to take that break mm -hmm. right it's like go out and right. walk in nature you won't realize until you oh, start yes. doing that how much you needed to do that right yes 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 yeah. yes mm -hmm. one of the things I that i liked you. about the last 10 years of my life was i started working in construction and i was on on natural ground three quarters of the day and mm -hmm. I found really fast, really quickly, that I felt far more present in the now and connected to the world when I was doing construction because I was standing on dirt or rock, natural, nature, mm -hmm. not asphalt, not linoleum, not concrete. Uh, and that when I was working before that, I was a retail manager and I was always on concrete, linoleum or, or, or cement. 
mm-hmm. not touching nature. And and I was like, what? And people said, you went from making like $100,000 a year to making $50,000 a year. And you were okay with that. And I'm like, you have no idea how good that time was for my soul to lose that $50,000 a year. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I tell people That's that all the time. Thing. That's what I tell young people all the time. I tell my kids this all the time. I'm like, do what is well with your soul. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to tell you everything you need to do, but I'm just going to say, do what's well with yourself. If you don't feel good with yourself, you need to change it, whatever it is. You know? Yeah. That's one of my big things. I say more so now than I ever did. I tell people that, is it well with your soul? Ask yourself that. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, and that's why I made the decision to get out of retail. Honestly. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. I did because it was killing my soul because they were, mm-hmm. they're force you in retail to lie to people all the time. And then they want you to upsell them. Right. Mm-hmm. I refuse to do that. When I, I would teach my, my uh, employees, like I was working uh, selling computers and all the peripherals around computers and everything that you can imagine that has to do with an office. I was selling that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I would tell my guys, I know that the district manager and all the bonus boys above her, they all want you to upsell everything. I don't want you to upsell anyone. I want you mm-hmm. to ask a person when they come in here to buy a computer, what do you want to use this computer for? And find a computer that is tailored to them. Don't try to sell them the $5,000 base unit computer when they can buy a, a $1,000 one and it'll, it'll work for what their needs are. That's and the right. reason for that, and the reason for that is they're going to trust us and they're going to tell their friends and we're going to be busier and make more money by word of mouth for being honest and trying to rip them off. Right. And my, my people who didn't want to, do that anyways because they were the same way they felt like that was lying to people they bought into that wholeheartedly and we drove the business like crazy made all kinds of money district manager hated it but she couldn't complain because we made money for her she didn't like Mm -hmm. my style at all thought i was weak right because my style was that andy griffith style of of policing Right. <laughs> I don't even have a gun, people. <laughs> you know what I mean? Barney's right. got the gun, but he has one bullet and it's in his pocket. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Lynn Sauce she put I love walking in grass. Grass, I love walking yep. barefooted in grass, mud. I love mud squishing up between my toes. I love sand. I like water. I like all of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, it's all I went, I went to, one of the things that I did uh, with my buddy, uh, Russell and his wife was we would every now and then periodically, cause we live out here in California, we'd periodically drive up the coast and, and go to the ocean. And then of course, take off our shoes and socks and walk out and stand in the ocean and feel the sand in your feet and the ocean, uh, you know, almost up to your knees. We'd wear shorts and we'd just stand there one time, funny story, and then we'll get back at, uh, on point. But one time we, when we did that, he and I being Vikings and he's, of course he's six foot 10 and has like 78 tattoos, very big Viking man. We walked up to the, there's all these people on the beach and we walk up and we're looking at the Pacific ocean standing in the water. And I, and I bellow. Oh, and then he does it too. And he right next to me, he goes, Oh, everybody on the whole beach that could hear us turned, looked at us and started applauding. <laughs> oh my that's awesome because <laughs> we are yelling out to the ocean oh Jen! and listening for the echo you know and everybody mm-hmm. just went oh my god that's beautiful i can't believe you mm-hmm. did that and we're like we're getting back to the roots of nature here mm-hmm. need to remember who we are that's right 
but that was so funny because we were dressed like the normal guys, right? I was wearing blue jean shorts, three quarter length, <laughs> right? Had the muscle shirt with the with the sleeves cut off, you know, looked like a tank top. But, you, but your top. soul, but your soul was all dressed out like a Viking, <laughs> right? No joke. Everyone saw us as Vikings. They didn't see us as some hippies or something. They were just like, oh, yep, there they are, tattooed and all, <laughs> tattooed and everything, screaming out the Odin. Right. That's I, have awesome. horn. I have the music. I have the horn here somewhere I don't know where I left it. I actually have a big giant drinking horn that the on bottom of it unscrews. And when you pull the bottom off of it, you, you can actually, you know, do the. I actually have one of those. Isn't that great? I, I, reson I resonate with the Vikings. I resonate with them. <laughs> well, it's hard not to when it's in your DNA. You know what I mean? If I you know. have. You know, mm -hmm. if you're Southern, that's what uh, Peter was referring to earlier about the about the Celts being Southern Vikings. And, uh, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the fact the word Celtic, is, we don't even know that that's not what they called themselves. The word Celtic is uh, is an offshoot of the Greek word Keltoi. And the, the Keltoi is the same as the as the word Franks that the the uh, the uh, uh, in the Middle East called the French people. But they were, in fact, from Frankia. So it was a little different. Mm -hmm. They don't know what the people called themselves the Celtic race that ruled, you know, there were the Viking Southern Viking race that was attached to all the Viking races. They don't know what they called themselves. So they called them Keltoi. And that word in Greek means those people who live up North who are not Greek. <laughs> that's what that means to them. That's what that word meant. It was a slang term that meant those guys that live up there that are not Greeks and they called mm -hmm. them Keltoi. So then we call that Celtic. And that's mm -hmm. why I chose the name and I, and I took the key, the C off and I put a hard K because in, in Irish Gaelic, the C is a hard K sound. It's the K, not the, not the S. But to the Scots, in their version of Gaelic, uh, it's Celt. So it's Celtic. That's why you get the Celtic Frost. You get the Celtics, the Boston Celtics. That's the right. Scottish version. Pisses us off. Pisses off the Welsh. <laughs> and pisses off the Irish. That they say Celtic. We're like, it's Celtic. Our language came before yours. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> right? So I use I put that I put Kelto and I didn't put Keltoi, the original Greek word because that looks like some you know especially if it's a C and then who's this girl and who's her toy right uh, so I I started going with the C until I was playing a video game uh, where we were getting inside these units and it was robot mechs and uh, we're fighting against other people in other boxes and when we got out we all met and this little kid said who's that celtic guy i kicked his butt twice and i'm like it's celtic and yes you did <laughs> right so i changed it from that point i was like 20 and from that point i changed it to celt with a k keltoi or kelto with a k but it's a it's the same it means the same thing as celtic yep i resonate with that but i think i probably pretty much looked that <laughs> Right. And well, and they're finding now, I know guys, we're getting off the helping people and going into DNA and stuff again, but they're finding out now when they did the DNA it started back with Stephen and Evan Strong a few years ago in Australia, when they were working with the scientists down there, trying to uh, determine whether or not people were coming, whether their people came out of Africa, like everyone says, or where they came from. And it looked like that people were coming from Australia um, more than Africa at one point. Well, now they've furthered that just recently in the last couple of years, the scientists have furthered that and said they started because the, the uh, Australians and Stephen and Evan started checking DNA. They went ahead and started checking DNA in to try and find where the progression was of the migration and where the Denisovans met the the uh, uh, what we the Homo sapiens sapiens. When where did they meet? 
at what time. And what they found out was that the Norwegians, the Vikings, actually conquered the known world before that happened. Mm-hmm. So, so all the people that are Arabic are actually have Viking DNA in them as well. Norwegian. It goes all the way back to Norway. So after the, the, the I don't know if it was the Younger Dryas, I, I think it was the volcano. So 75,000 years ago when, the, when they had a super volcano erupt on the planet and it killed off almost all of the population of the people, there was only people living in South Africa, Madagascar, far in the north, uh, Norway, Finland, and uh, Australia. All the other people on the face of the earth had been destroyed. And then uh, and everybody has come back from those four groups of people worldwide. So you had right. people in South Africa and then Madagascar because Madagascar is so high up off the uh, uh, land, but south enough like Australia and, and the others. So there's people that survived the deluge and, the, and they also survived the, uh, the uh, uh, Younger Dryas. So those two, those three or four races are the ones who brought back the human race. So they, they found out that prior to the occupation was the Vikings. They were living there, and then the Denisovans came, and the Aborigines from Australia came, and they started breeding together, which gave us the Indian population and the different Arabic populations that we have now, mixed with the Africans when they came across. Right. So that group of people in the center, some of them have still have African DNA, but they also have uh, Norwegian, you know, Viking DNA and uh, Australian DNA. So that's it's, how it's we ended up. You know. interesting. That's pretty interesting. All of it is very interesting. I think it is. It's kind of like knowing where we come from. Sometimes it helps folks. Uh, it helps them in their current because sometimes it resonates with their soul, different things like we were talking about, you know, certain thing that resonates who they really are deep within will help them when they're meditating or when they're going to their inner self. I don't know exactly how it does, but it just does. It's because it's your soul. It's your DNA. Your soul, all these links and everything together. It does somehow help you. You, you know right. what I'm talking about. Yes, yeah. it does. It really does. No, it does. That's, so, that's why the, uh, learning all of history is super important. Uh, not mm-hmm. just because we have the scrolls that we find. I'm putting stuff up. Leanne was talking. Her bird went went off when I went, oh, dad. She's got a few birds <laughs> and her bird went off. Uh, and then they were talking about that. And then they're saying, uh, uh, Julie says, I have a grandson named Odin. I have a nephew. I, I have awesome. a great nephew. I have a great nephew, and his name is Odin. He's um, uh, one years old now, uh, and his name is That's Odin. Awesome. Yeah, isn't that cool? And I always screw up and call him mm-hmm. Thor. My sister gets mad. She's like, Why do you call my grandbaby Thor? He's Odin. He's not Thor. Thor's the Thor's the son of Odin. Remember that. I'm like, <laughs> You're right. That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> I do want to say this. I don't, uh, I don't. I don't, I don't know if anybody ever does this, but if anybody did think they needed me to help them, they could maybe send me an email. I could put my email up there because I don't know Facebook. I don't accept just anybody on my Facebook. You know what I mean? Right, but right. I could help someone help themselves. Uh, my email is Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E-L-O-U-L-O-U, Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S at gmail.com. If anybody wanted me to kind of help them help themselves with my little sessions I do, it's just various different things that people need help with, whether it be stress, anxiety, health problems, um, sometimes getting in to find your own past life or opening your gifts, you know, what have you, different things I can help you help yourself with to teach you how to do it for yourself. Um, it's, it's amazing. I'm blessed that I received this gift. It's a gift from God. I've been trying to manifest being able to help others help themselves and boom, this gift come along. There was one girl asked me, Robbie, how did you know you had this gift? I said, I didn't just one day I woke up and I had it. That's just how it came. I don't know. 
you know, and I said, but then I look back, I've been manifesting this gift. I didn't know this is exactly how I would, you know, how I would be able to help others help themselves. But this is what I got. Maybe I'll have another one in the future because I certainly didn't expect this, even though I was manifesting it and praying it somehow or other, I didn't pinpoint exactly how I would be doing it. So I just thought I would throw that out there right quick. Cause I'm not sure if anyone does anything like that to offer, you know, um, is my time limited or whatever. I will help somebody if, if I can, you know, Right. And that's, see, that's why I said uh, before that I should get you into the, the groups that, that I have and then the other groups that I'm involved in, because that's what we do there. Uh, and we help people. And then we do it collectively sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. We'll get together, right. and we'll, you know, and, and we'll go into one group where you have to be invited into this group. Uh, this is the people that we don't, we, you know, people who think they're awake. We test you beforehand to find out whether you are or not. And if you make it into the group, mm-hmm. we find out that you're like all ego and you're going to fight. And we go, sorry, you're not ready to be here. And we remove the person from the group. So there is no infighting. There is no, no arguments, nothing that happens in oh, those yeah. groups. Right. So but those groups, we all get together and we'll, that's like a prayer group, you know, uh, where you call mm-hmm. the neighbors or whoever's on your prayer line and you say, we're going to pray for these people. Or when you're in church, you know, you do that. The pastor does that. Usually let's pray for the people. Happy birthday. Or let's pray for the sick and our families or those who just departed. Uh, and they, and they put those intentions there. We do the same thing for people as well. Uh, someone will say, you know, I have a brain tumor and I'm going in for surgery in three days, please, you know, can I get some help? And then we get a whole bunch of us together to hold that person to, to give them energy and to make sure that they make it smoothly through that, that whole process uh, you know, in as best we can. But if obviously if their time is their time and they're going to be called home, there's nothing we can do about it to keep them here. But most of the time it's not their time. They're just scared and we're calming them down. And it happens. We don't usually lose very many people ever. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. From, from that. And that's, yeah. you know, so, so yeah, guys out there, you know, um, she's putting herself out there. One of the reasons why I had her on here uh, it was to, to, you know, get her some more exposure, uh, because she's she's been helping people, but like most of us, you help people kind of in the background uh, and for a while, and you know you don't really get your name out there for people. It's word of mouth when you really uh, are doing mm-hmm. this, and you don't know you know uh, your way around. What do I do? How do I grow myself bigger or whatever? Uh, and we try to assist people with that. And, and you're don't be surprised because there's been there's been five people in this audience since we've been on the air that all of them have their own independent podcasts. Right. Mm-hmm. And you, you heard me calling them out, the names of those guys out. Don't be surprised if they're mm-hmm. contact you and want to have you on their show. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. you know, it, it really wasn't even about, um, it's really not about, you know, some people may just want to do it for attention or whatever, but really I just feel like if I have a gift and I can help someone help themselves, that's really what I want to do. Um, and you know, I don't mind getting out publicly and saying it because, I mean, you're supposed to, if you have a gift, you're supposed to. I feel like, in fact, that there's someone that's going to hear this podcast that I need to help. That's like a feeling, you know, that there's, I have a need to help someone that I haven't been able to reach. And if I do this, I will be able to. It's uh, God's putting this appointment in front of me to put it out here to say, hey, I can help you with that. Absolutely. And that's how it works. I have people all the time that contact me after a show and they say, I don't even know how I, I don't know. I didn't even know you had a show and somehow mm-hmm. I saw you live and went click. Let's see what this is. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they start yeah. listening to me talk and they're like, oh, I need to talk to this person, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the next thing, you know, I'm helping them. And then I learn from them. That's why we say learn, teach, oh, teach, yes, learn. We do. You know? Yes. Yeah. 
doing the session, doing the session for Maya and, and Jennifer, you know, and with her husband and her son, it was, that was an amazing experience that I had that I will carry forever. You know, that See, I had. By Julie's already me. answering you. She says me. <laughs> you said, I feel that somebody out there is going to want to work with me. And Julie, mm -hmm. me, she raised her hand. <laughs> so don't be surprised yeah, if Julie contacts you. <laughs> well, I had thought about it prior to the show. Like, how can I, um, I, I don't really want to invite just everyone to my Facebook because unless they're like your friend or someone's, I don't yeah. accept a lot of, you know, just people because a lot of it's yeah, spam. You got to be careful of the energy that you draw in, right? You have to That's do that all exactly the time. Right. The people that are here in my mm -hmm. crowd, when the trolls come in, I kick them out. So the people mm -hmm. that are here that are they're listening and making comments, these are people that are their fans. They're always listening and making comments or they're friends and they're always listening and making comments or I work with them. Uh, doing yeah. other, you know, other projects, and they're any of those they're that want to friend me is fine. Any of those yeah. that, if they're your friend on Facebook, that's fine. I yeah. would definitely accept them, but just you know, I'm funny about just anyone else. I would just you know email and we go. From yeah, there. I usually have like right now. I bet I have twenty people that have been trying to friend me that I haven't declined, but I, I wait and I go in and I look at the profiles. Do I know them? Who do they know besides me? Or do we have mutual friends? Are they just so you know? I get a lot of women in the. Uh, in the not so free world, uh, wanting to be my friend because they want me to marry them and bring them over to the United States. So I get a lot of that where I, you know, some hi baby, you know, or, or, Hey, handsome. And I'm just like, Oh, okay. When it starts with that, uh, she's either a swinger or she's locked down in a country she's trying to get out of. <laughs> you know what, because my name is Robbie Barnes. Some of the, those, um, girls that are, that do whatever i guess and people give them money on on the internet i'm not i don't really know what they do but whatever those girls will sometimes send me messages because they don't look at my picture they, they see my name they think you're a guy robbie barnes yes. yeah yeah <laughs> isn't that funny? i'm like yeah i'm scratching my head like no no <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, what the, the weird thing is, is if I sign on somewhere and I use Kelto Stormcrow, people assume I'm a girl. Hmm. More often than, than a man. I had somebody talk to me one time and, and I, there was no, I remember where, what platform I was on, but I didn't have a picture. And, uh, and I was listed as Kelto Stormcrow and they just all thought I was a woman. And I'm like, you didn't notice, by the way, I was typing that I was not a girl. And they, they were like, um, not really. And I'm like, well, it wasn't like I was flirting with you in any way. Yeah, but I thought you were just playing hard to get. Now I know why, because you're a guy. And I'm like, yeah, sorry, buddy. <laughs> right? I thought you were playing hard to get. It was kind of cool. I'll play hard to get with you, but just know you're not going to get too far. Right? Yeah, that's right. That's funny. That is funny. That happens. But that's just the way it is. Now I have a profile picture, but that draws more people in having the profile picture. So now I changed it to that one that I have where it looks like I have the, the uh, cloak on from, you know, um, mm -hmm. as a, of a wizard, you know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. So that one, uh, people have changed. But if I paid the other one, the other one I had was me with my sunglasses on and my, and when I got my new watch and my new shades with my hat on, mm -hmm. I look all cool. Right. Um, that one, if you see that one, people are all girls are always like, Hey, it's not a Rolex. <laughs> I'm not rich. <laughs> right. Now that I have a beard, though, I don't I don't look 30 anymore. So when I have this big beard, I get less of those what I call hookers trying to trying to get out of uh, some lockdown communist country by go, right, you know, right. keep coming after me. Now I look like their grandfather. Like, yeah, no, I don't want an old I, guy. I've got to I've got to tell you a funny one, too, because I'm on a lot of different sites and I've you know done readings just randomly here and there for different people that I was drawn to give them a free reading or whatever. Well, um, 
there is this guy who has messaged me and it's been two or three different times. And he was like, do you do spells? I'm like, no, I don't do spells. And he's like, well, do you, do you want to know why? And I'm like, mm, I guess. <laughs> and he's <laughs> like, um, because I wanted you to turn me into something. And I'm like, oh, this should be interesting. And I said, what, what were you wanting me to turn you into? And he said, a cigarette. A cigarette. I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> he, right. says, uh, he says, I want a woman to carry me around in their purse. I'm like, okay. He said, do you smoke? No. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> so he waited a long time and he messaged me again. And honestly, I mean, I was kind of hoping he'd be, you know, coming up with something original, something else. I wanted to tell him, you know, I have an idea for you. I need you to get a white sheet and lay it on the floor. And I want you to get on one edge of it and start wrapping yourself up real tight and pretend you're a joint. Maybe you can do somebody some good. <laughs> Roll yourself up in it and lay on the floor for a while. <laughs> yeah, and look like a joint. <laughs> That's funny. You'll be, you'll be snug I'm, as a bug in a rug. I know. I was up. like, yeah. Yeah, I could not believe this guy who asked me like twice now. Could I turn him into a cigarette? <laughs> Oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> no, what you do I can't. next time is tell him no, but I'll put you out like one. I know. That's what I was like. I did say <laughs> that first time. I can I can just picture some woman, you know, smoking on you a couple minutes and throwing you down and then snuffing you out. <laughs> yeah, stepping on you and squishing you with her foot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I don't do that. <laughs> or worse, flicking you out the window at 65 and you're gonna get run over by a bunch of cars. <laughs> Right. I was kind of hoping he was going to come up with a new original thing he wanted to be, but he didn't. So, <laughs> That's but it was funny. It is hilarious. You know, anyway. there was a woman that just had on the news. I know we're way off topic now, guys. We're just hanging out now. Mm -hmm. There was a woman on the news and um, she is, says she's a wolf. And she even paints a little wolf nose on her on her little nose, a little black part of her nose to have the wolf nose. And she associates as a wolf. And she says she doesn't do it in public because it kind of freaks people out. But when she's at home by herself, she's a wolf. Oh, did you hear about you may can look you may be able to look this up. There was a man on death row and he claimed, you know, whatever it was he didn't do. But anyway, he he was just lo he loved wolves and he wanted to be a wolf. And he was always just, you know, everything about wolves. So he wanted to get a wolf, his face tattooed like a wolf before he died. Right. So he got his whole entire face tattooed like a wolf. Wow. And then right before he got electrocuted, he got pardoned. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> right? Are you serious? Oh, my. Yeah, this is supposed to be a serious story. So then, you know, uh, that's going to be pretty hard to get a job with the wolf face. I mean. Right. <laughs> you know, Dane Cook, the comedian, he had a story that he called The Sneeze. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> He's, oh, my God, this is hilarious. You guys should look this up. Look up Dane Cook, The Sneeze. It's a okay, like an eight minute video, but I'll, I'll give you the I'll give you the gist of it. So those of you who want to watch the joke and have Dane Cook do it, mute the television until I wave like this with my hands and then you can turn it back on. So they'll save the joke for you. Right. Because I'm just going to tell the joke. But but he does it with movements and he's up on stage and, mm -hmm. and he right. So there's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, a body language that goes into it that I can't do here because I'm on a camera that's narrow. Right. So if you don't want to hear it, then just mute now and I'm going to tell the story. So. He says, I'm standing on a line at a bank, and he said, I'm sitting there, and this guy in the right here next to me, he sneezes, and it, he says, and it scared the ever-living out of me. He says, I wasn't ready for it, you know? And the guy says, Puh! 
and he sneezes and the light is shining in the window at just the way that it illuminated. And I can see this debris in the air from his sneeze. Right. And he says, so I look at him and I say, God bless you. He says, I don't say bless you because I'm not the guy upstairs. He's a Roman Catholic. I'm not the big guy. So I said, God bless you. But it kind of came out like cover your fucking mouth. <laughs> right? He says, this guy looks at me and starts laughing. He goes, oh, oh, you believe in God, do you? You're one of those. And he says, so now debris guy is going to school me. <laughs> he says, right? He says, he says, well, so what? You don't, you don't believe in God? He goes, oh, no, 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 I don't. He says, so I said, well, what do you believe in? And he says, well, I believe that when you die, you're going to go back to the earth. And you'll, then you'll become a one with the earth. He says, I believe that I'm going to come back as a tree and I'm going to grow in the, in the, uh, you know, a, in the outdoors. And so he's, he's schooling me and he says to me, so what do you believe in? Right. And he says, well, I believe in when you die, you go to heaven. And when you get there, all of your relatives and your ancestors are there waiting for you and they come and greet you. And then you, uh, and then you go into heaven and you get your wings and you do whatever. Right. And he says, then the guy's laughing at me. So it pissed me off. So I didn't say this to him at the time, but I wanted to, right? He says, but, but think about this, guys. I'm thinking, wouldn't it be cool if it was right, he was right, because he doesn't believe in God. When he dies, he turns into a tree, and he grows up, and he's in the forest, and he and he's, does things with breezes, or whatever it is that, that ficus guy over here does as a tree. He says, wouldn't mm -hmm. it be cool if, if we could see that happen? And then he's out and he's in the woods and you see this big, burly, sweaty guy come drumming through the, the, uh, the wilderness. And he's got a chain in one hand and an axe in the other. And he goes up mm -hmm. to the Mr. Ficus over here and he wraps that chain around him. And then he pulls that axe out and he chops down that tree. And then he grabs that chain and he drags that that uh, Mr. Tree, Mr. Ficus over here, drags him over to the sawmill and, and grind him into pulp. And then we turn him into paper and print the Bible on him. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> right. So if any of you, if any of you muted your, your, your set, I told the joke, it's going to be funny because I tell a joke funny and, and, but Dane Cook is a professional joke teller, mm -hmm. right? He so is, he's going to tell it funnier than I just did, but I loved that. He's like, and then, and I'm not going to give the punchline again, because there might be one or two of you out there who actually uh, muted. And those of you on the MP3 file, you couldn't mute because you wouldn't know when to turn it back on. <laughs> So, but yeah, isn't that funny? It is funny. That's hilarious. I love it. I love that. that. Is he said that stuff. first time I heard it. I'm sitting there listening. You're like, okay, what's the? He does it longer too. He does. He does that. Skits actually longer. He gets into going to the movies and coming home and and the spray bottle, the Windex, and how it has the the thing that you mm -hmm. turn. And he says, never get that thing fucked up and get it halfway in between. Right. You got to have it all the way one or the other flat to the top because if you get it in the inside, you spray it. Everything goes crazy. And he says he says to the crowd, he says, so he says, wouldn't that be funny, too? He says, all these people are telling I'm telling the story about the Windex bottle. How many of you guys are going to go home afterwards? You're going to take the Windex bottle out and you're going to turn it cockeyed and you're going to squeeze it to see what happens. He says, wouldn't it be funny if when you do that, when all you guys get home, you go, wait a minute, I'm going to go see if 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 the comedian guy knew what he was talking about, let me go get the Windex bottle. And when they do that and they squeeze it, wouldn't it be funny if like a genie popped out, an evil genie? <laughs> I am Windex store. So he had this whole skit that went on. But 
the punchline was fabulous, uh, crazy that is funny. Fabulous. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then he said, with the red words. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> with the red words, man. That was hilarious. Love that joke. Love that. I joke. love that. That is good. That's really good. Isn't it? That's funny. All right. I think we'll end it here. We're almost two hours in. Okay. Right? We're an hour yes. in. Uh, and, you know, I didn't even tell you, you, know, you, you probably thought we were going to go an hour. I didn't even say how long we would go. We just kept going. Um, and mm -hmm. so, you know, so you've been very gracious to hang out with me for, for the last almost two hours now. Um, but, you know, it, 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 uh, don't be surprised if other guys start saying, hey, I was, you know, I'm this guy and this, I have this podcast and I'd like to have you mm -hmm. on. Um, but that's the, the way this works is I, I'm trying to help get your, you out there to get more exposure. They'll do the same thing. Uh, and that's what we do is we pay it forward. Someone helped me to set all this up. I yes. told you about Omar giving me the break. Uh, the inspiration came from Dino and, and then Omar inspired me to do more. And now I'm doing this. So I pay it forward as well. Dino helped me set up all my equipment. So did Omar. Omar and I trade uh, anytime we find new technologies. <laughs> we trade Aaron, all the people that I work with. We all freely give each other all these tools uh, to do this stuff. And was like, hey, no, I found a new pro program. This does this. And here's a new uh, editing that's software. Cool. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. so there's, we, the people that you will be introduced to going forward are people that are going to have knowledge technically that can help you if you want to do what we're doing. If not, they'll have the platform to be able to mm -hmm. help you to be, get on the air more, uh, and then, uh, uh, maybe get, you know, yourself doing something for that to where you get more people involved, right. With yourself. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to do because ultimately we want to wake everyone up. So the, yes. we can't do that if we're all constantly trying to fight over who's the top dog, right? We're right. all the top dog because nobody's better than anybody else. Nobody's more advanced no. than anyone else. Exactly. And, you know, right? So, and then Clarence. Is Clarence here too? I didn't see that. Somebody said, what's up, Clarence? <laughs> oh, what's up with Clarence? I don't know, Julie. I Ask Omar. Omar has his phone number, I think. Uh, if not, we'll, we'll get a hold of him. I haven't seen him for a while. I haven't talked to Clarence uh, in probably six months. Uh, and, but I haven't heard anybody else asking where he is usually if he disappears, cause he's had a heart attack twice now in the mm. last six years, or no, I think once he just got sick. Um, but I don't know. So Julie, uh, talk to Omar, Omar, if you're still here, let her, let Julie know if, if, uh, you know, if, if, uh, Clarence is okay or if he's missing again. <laughs> so I don't know the answer to that because I haven't personally uh, had any contact with Clarence in about six months, uh, since the last time we worked together, that was the last time I talked to him. Um, and that was on Omar, one of Omar's uh, um, webinars that he was putting on. So he's putting one on that. And, and kudos to him, guys. Go and look at Omar's uh, oh, website. Yeah. Go to Watchers Talk on Facebook. Uh, and you go to Watchers Talk. I think it's watcherstalk.com uh, is your website. I'm not sure, buddy. But if you're there, put it up in the in the chat. Uh, he's putting together a webinar that's going, that is 111 speakers. That I, think I like that 111. That's an angel number. <laughs> that's why he did it. He did it that way on purpose. Omar doesn't do anything on accident like that. He he's planned it to be that uh, and mm -hmm. planned it for, for the solstice. Uh, and this is a world event. And I don't know how many continents that he has. Um, we worked on one together where he had like eight or, or you know, uh, eight continents. Uh, like it was like 15 countries and eight on the, on the, you know, like on almost every continent. We only, we didn't have like uh, anyone from Antarctica uh, and maybe one or two others, but we had someone from Europe, England, UK, uh, South Africa, South America, Brazil, we, you know, with the, the worldwide event. Uh, and he's putting that together uh, and he's going to be doing that on the, 
on the on the or, or are they doing that? Yeah, the summer solstice. No, 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 spring equinox. That one that's coming up. We just had Imbolg, which is the halfway point. Oh, by the way, I wanted to say uh, to Melissa, who is sick, and, and those of you who, uh, when, when we were talking about my eye and uh, in, in the blood in the blood vessel in my eye, that was Tuesday. That was Imbolg. Hmm. That was when that happened. It was actually Tuesday night, so it was going into Wednesday, and Wednesday was when we did Skull Island. It was that morning when I woke up, Wednesday morning while I was sleeping from Tuesday night. So it was wow. literally in bulk. It was that midway point of between the the, the uh, winter solstice and the summer solstice. Or There's the some kind of correlation there. Yeah, and that's when that happened, and that was when, I think it was Melissa said she got sick. And, and she's just now getting over it. So she got sick on the same day that I mm -hmm. was fighting uh, in, in my sleep and burst a blood vessel. And there was a, a couple other people. Peter had made some comment about Tuesday as well and someone else. So so there was something that was going on in the air at the time on mm -hmm. Imbolg that uh, a group yes. around me was uh, was mixed up in uh, in an off time when we were sleeping. Uh, most of us, I think, because Peter would have been awake at the time because he's over in uh, Ireland. Uh, so he would have already been awake while I was sleeping, but Peter doesn't sleep anyway. He hardly sleeps at ever, ever. <laughs> right. So I wanted to point that out, that there was something to that, guys, that moment yeah, so, in time. There was something there and we were all connected to it because it affected us on a physical level here at this plane. And we were all going through it in the beginning of us starting to go through. It was the same day. I want to I want to tell you, too, that while we were talking a big part of the time, I could feel like this angelic presence all around us, sort of like all around us. So it's it's a, a good thing that we have spoke a lot of what we have spoken about today, tonight. Well, and, and that is uh, truthfully, I, I put a lot of energy to to project that, but we also draw in energy oh, and many people yes. who come in and watch us uh, and not just me but like omar shows and all the everybody and say to us my god the energy in these chat rooms and on this show is and that's what we're trying to do here by the time yes. we're done talking vibration that yes. everybody's vibration is an octave yes. or two higher than it was when absolutely got praise yeah. god yes yeah. yes yeah right yes. Yeah, you know, I'd, I'd love to do that, you know, to hit that evangelical button in me and go, praise be to Jesus. Praise <laughs> be to God. <laughs> right? Get me up on My the grandkids, I'll say this. I'll say this right quick. You know, I don't know if you've heard the song Good God Almighty. It's by a group called Crowder. Well, yes. I've heard that old saying, like from my grandma, I'd say, God Almighty about, so, you know, God Almighty about something right. around the house. So right? when my kids first heard that song, Good God Almighty, and it's an absolutely wonderful song. Yes, And it, they will start singing it, and they sing it all the time because it was real catchy because they've been hearing me say, God Almighty. Right? <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes, you know, the, here's here's the thing about that, too. Let's, let's talk about that. There was a time in these churches when they told you you couldn't even say the name of God because that was blasphemy. The reason I, they were doing that was they were trying to keep that from your lips trying to keep mm -hmm. that from your heart, trying to keep that from your mm -hmm. head. They didn't want you to say Jesus mm -hmm. or God in any mm -hmm. way. Oh, don't take the Lord's name in vain. You're too, you're nothing. You can't say that name. <laughs> that's the corruption. It's the same with, uh, you know, know. with uh, the Muslims and, and mm -hmm. Allah. And you can't have a picture of Allah or describe Allah because no one knows. I agree with that. But pen, under penalty of death, it's a little too harsh for my taste. <laughs> right? So, because God mm -hmm. wants to be spoken. God wants to be mm -hmm. heard. That's why That's right. Jesus was the word. That's why the word is logos. The word is love. The reason they don't want you to say God's name is because God's name is love. Yes. 
and they don't want you to yes, speak God's yes, words because yes. God's words are love. Yes, yes, All yes. religions have, were corrupted into telling mm-hmm. you the opposite of the truth. And that's mm-hmm. there's only a few that never got corrupted. Buddhism is one of them that didn't because Buddhism doesn't sound like a religion. It's not worshiping Jesus or God, but it's actually the way to dislodge your soul for being stuck. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's catching on in the Western world, because it's the back door to the Antichrist. They didn't mm-hmm. go after Buddhism and try to corrupt it like they did everything else because they didn't understand it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hear so you. Taoism and Buddhism is still kind of pure. And there's a few others that are still kind of pure, but most of them are ripped to shreds. I know. It's but true. You can still, but the truth is you can still, if you ignore the, 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 the negative of any church and that's just right. focus on the positive in God, you can, and that's what pisses them off. The church still works. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely right. I hate it when you do that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I know. That's true. Well, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Yes. Now that we have hit the two hour mark or three hour mark, I'm sorry. So, Mm -hmm. right. So guys, I love you all. Every one of you that came in and out, those of you who aren't here still, which you were here earlier, you didn't hear me say that, but you guys know that I love you. Thank you for being here. Share this out. Uh, I'll be back on Wednesday with Skull Island with Aaron and, and Norma and Miguel. We'll be on uh, Wednesday at 4 p.m. USA time or West Coast, Western Hemisphere, Northern Hemisphere of the planet. Uh, We'll be on uh, Wednesday. I'll be back on Friday. And hopefully I'll have a new topic. I haven't decided what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll start breaking into the scriptures and start tearing those apart and showing you how the scriptures from every religion are identical and how their creation story is. I've talked about it many times. That's interesting. So I'm going to have to put together a documentary and actually show it. Uh, to you right. guys and do a, do a presentation on that. Uh, so thank you, Robbie, for coming on thank here with, with no notice. Uh, well, I was talking to her <laughs> yesterday and said, what are you doing tomorrow? You want to go live with me? <laughs> and you Love and lot, everybody. Love and lot, right. manifest. That is right. Right. Yeah. Melissa said manifestation. That's, that's the key. Mm-hmm. That's the key to everything. If you, if you're at, first of all, ask questions. Second of all, start reading, start reading and learning history past Go down those dusty old tomes. Third, your intention is the most important thing you have. Your intention drives your life and your existence. If you have bad intentions, you're going to have a bad life. If you have good intentions, you're going to have a good life. Amen. Thank you so much, and it was a pleasure. All right, guys. Have a great night.